Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 291. And you know what? For I'm full-on turning this into a Buffalo Bills podcast this week because this might be the last chance I have for a long time. Don't know when we'll get a chance to talk about the Bills like this again, so we've called in a heavy hitter. One of my oldest friends, one of my oldest influences. Uh, you know him from all over the place. ESPN Radio K-Rock. My man, Rain Zilla, is joining us to talk about Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills. And is this, if this is really happening, is this happening? I don't know. Uh, also this week, we're going to talk about Joe Biden's pandemic plan. Uh, we're going to talk about what America is Googling. Uh, we're going to talk about COVID updates. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about history lessons, as always. And we're going to talk about uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's uh, inaugural playlist, which has got some bangers and some stuff on there. So yeah, uh, all that this week and so much more, folks, as always. We are happy, beyond belief, to have you here. Let's go, Buffalo! still sort of, you know, I feel excited for this week's episode, and I don't know if that's just that I'm basking in the glow of the Buffalo Bills victory this weekend. It's got to be. I mean, it's got to be huge. For you and for all the... I know so many Bills fans, being somebody who lives in upstate New York, and every Bills fan um, I know has been downtrodden and put upon for so long, and congratulations to you, you. from all the casual football watchers here in upstate New York. Uh, I'm excited as a Bills fan. Well, and the Bills are one of those teams where like you can't even, nobody can be mad that the Bills have made it this far. No. It's not like if the Giants, if like you're a Giants fan and the Giants get to the NFC Championships game, you can still be a Giants hater, but like at this point, yeah. to be a Bills hater is just unbecoming. <laughs> I, I'm so excited that, uh, and, and I gotta be honest, I'm not one of the crazy folks out there who thinks that the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl. I think that I this, do. I'm glad I you. Do. I'm glad yeah, you yeah. do. I'm pulling for it, and that's why I'm going to sh- I'm going to fire the bullet this week. And this week will be a special Buffalo Bills Appreciation Week episode with our mm. guest. Uh, you may know him from the Sportzilla Show. Mm. <laughs> my my good friend, mm-hmm. uh, one of my earliest radio icons. I tell him that all the time. Makes yeah, him like it makes him mad. He, mm-hmm. he feels like it makes him seem old. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Rainzilla. Yeah, <laughs> Rainzilla. <laughs> The man coming in, and we're going to do some Buffalo Bills talk, talk mm-hmm. a little bit about music and sports, and what our best and worst case scenarios for what the Bills will do this weekend mm. are. Uh, so we'll see. That should be a lot of fun. So I'm looking Good forward. For How nice it is for you to bask. You finally turned this thing into a football podcast. <laughs> finally. Well, I figure Buffalo Bills, this is this is, this is is a good call. I'm glad that Rain mm. decided he wanted to do this, because uh, he felt like the right person to talk to. It's a great time In this moment. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else is going on this week? Uh... Well, let's do some some light intro, some quick thoughts about some quick things. Thoughts. Some quick thoughts about okay. things this week. Uh, number one, so uh, do some generous gifts from friends of ours. I have two things that I had to come to terms with this week. Uh, number one, we had a friend of ours who was very generously gave me a PlayStation Four in uh, in lieu True. of the one that was uh, so absconded absconded with, with yeah, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. home. Uh, and it's been really nice, and I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I've been playing a lot of video games. Mm. Right, really digging into like, man, I haven't played games in a hot minute. I've been really correct. I was really enjoying it, and then the last couple of days, 
I'm starting to have the guilt. I can see it. I don't even have to, you don't even have to speak on it. I can see it in your, I can see it. I, I don't know why, and again, is why should I not like things? Is well, my spe- question to myself, <laughs> right? Like, that's where my brain goes immediately. Like, why is it that I can't enjoy this thing that I enjoy? What why, is? Yeah, why do you not allow yourself to enjoy the things you enjoy? It's a good question. Well, so for video games, I feel like, uh, one, video games are imposing upon people. Right, like it's it's imposing upon guests in the, hu- in the house. Yeah. I already impose it upon you enough as it is as my roommate, let alone mm. people who come into the house casually. The one other person, the one one or two other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, it, even then, I I don't know. I, I feel like the guilt that I have for pushing video games on people mm. allow doesn't allow me the joy that I would like from it. And then I question why I'm doing it in the first place. Does that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can I understand that. I can understand that. And you're, I mean, that's good for you because most people would never think like that. That's how you know you're not a true gamer. True gamers would be like, get out. This is my battle stage. <laughs> yeah, let me um, crank up. I mean, I understand. Up. We've certainly been through, uh, you know, some of your various thoughts and feelings about when you're playing video games and you feel like you're putting too much time towards something that will mm-hmm. give you diminishing returns. You're not getting enough. But also, like, right now during this time where, like, it's a pandemic, you can't go anywhere, you can't do mm. anything, you know what I mean? You can't go out, you can't go anywhere. Well, I mean, now, when else When else are you going to play? It's true. If you're not going to play it's now, true. you know, you got to do something. You know, you got to read a book. Yeah. No, that's true. I should read more books. Uh, the other one that I was going to say, another gift was given to us this week by GFOP Mark Simon. He gave us some nice, fancy Irish whiskeys as he a did. gift this week. So Very kind. To... Uh, and because of it, I've also been forced to come to terms with the fact that our liquor cabinet needed some cleaning out. Mm. So about 10 minutes before this pod started, I threw away, poured down the sink, the remaining little bottom of the raspberry stoli. Where did these items come from? So the raspberry stoli... Because I have, there was like raspberry stoli, what else? Cinnamon cinnamon schnapps. schnapps, Like weird stuff. Just weird stuff. I don't know where, I think maybe Sal, my old man somewhere along the way, like gave me a, oh, here's a bunch of old liquor that I'm not using. I don't know. I don't know where we it got it. This would have been dope when I was 17. I don't remember. cinnamon schnapps maybe, was still an alley I might have to consider. Maybe I took it out of like a house somewhere, like when we were cleaning out a house or something. Yeah, like, it could make sense. I, mean? I know But I mean. can't imagine why I would have taken these two particular items and why they're here. And I guess the only reason I never threw them out before is if, even just now, knowing that I'll never drink them and don't want them, it felt weird, like, wasting this item that exists. Somebody, yeah, somebody, <laughs> at, after pandemic times, we can have guests yeah. again. Somebody comes over and like, hey, man, would you like something to drink? They're like, oh, I could really go for some cinnamon schnapps if Damn you it. got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, my thought eventually was, like, even if someone did come to the house mm-hmm. and say, hey, you don't by chance have a glass of cinnamon schnapps, do you? You can't serve them that cinnamon schnapps. It's been there for fucking four years. That's it's probably all. Uh, the bottle was filmy. Film on the bottle. Uh, so there you go. Those are the two things I had to come to terms with this week. Mm. Our liquor cabinet and uh, guilt mm. for PlayStation 4. Uh, also this week, I want to talk quickly with you about television before we get into the, the big news of the week. Okay. Um, so Disney Plus is something we've talked about. I have a Disney Plus subscription. I don't feel like I really use it. No. I'm kind of tempted to go watch this WandaVision show. And I was thinking it might be the first time in a long time that I might actually fire up Disney Plus to watch something on the channel. Yeah. Right? And it got me thinking, we have so many platforms we have access to between the two of us. If you were getting rid of some of these platforms, what would you cut right off the bat? I mean, Disney Plus could certainly go. Could go. I don't have, I don't go. have like, but I look at, you know, my brother and his wife and their their wonderful young daughter, my niece, who is a, just a genius baby. Um, but they, the, the Disney gets a ton of use over there. 
You know what I mean? Mm. So for people like that, I can see where it's useful. But for me, Disney Plus could probably go. You know, much as I might watch something here to there on it. Um, it, maybe Netflix? Maybe Netflix. Maybe Netflix? I think it's interesting how much I've been watching this Hulu. Hulu's... If you're into just watching shows, Hulu is unbeatable. Un- yeah, un- Hulu <laughs> just has like literally almost like, yeah. kind of, like if you want to go back yeah. and watch like Family Matters and run yourself through eight seasons of Steve yeah. Urkel, go for Which it. If you of... want to go back and watch Master Chef from 2011, oh, go yeah. for it. You want to watch? You're into Real Housewives. You're into you know Golden Girls, Designing Women, whatever you might be into. Wasn't that what Netflix felt like it started off as when it was real hot? Yeah, it was a lot of shows, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because they've sort of moved. Well, the, the bar is also higher. Yeah, it's true. They had shows, and it's like, wow, this is a lot of shows, because 12 shows is a lot yeah. when there's mm-hmm. no streaming services and no shows. But Hulu has eclipsed uh, them when it comes to shows. Netflix pivoted mm-hmm. a little bit more to original content. I'm kind of stunned by how much I like MasterChef. Mm. <laughs> it's <laughs> compelling. It's so I, compelling. And here's the thing. It's one of those things we've talked about before where it's not, it's not a bad show, mm-hmm. but there's some objectively bad show ideas that come with it. It does that thing that all those competition shows where it like... All the tropes. It goes to a commercial, right? Where it reveal. And then you come back and then they just run back the first 30 seconds. You're like, if you could cut all of this out, this would be a really compelling 30 minutes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But we... We watch it anyway, so what do they care? They they don't care. And we watch it... (laughs) You know. You know what I think with a show about MasterChef, though? And I think it's because of the, the company we keep and the way we've always have, you know, typically have people watching TV with us, right? Sure. A show like MasterChef... One of these reality competition shows we watch, like The Forged in Fire, stuff like that. Those are all easy shows to watch and sort of talk about with people while watching it. Mm. Like, that kind of show inspires conversation with other people in the room. Whereas, like, I don't think I do that with Family Guy or Simpsons or something. Right? Like, it... You start having conversations about cooking. About, I know what you mean. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, there's I know a what you're there's a different stimulus with a show like that. I think. Well, I think the reasons you find yourself so surprised by it is because we have this uh, this like people who listen to, like podcasts about the art of television have mm-hmm. this knee jerk reaction to anything that's so called reality TV, and rightly so in a lot of you know a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But that's a wide net when it gets into something where it's like. It's a competition, you know, where the people are actually competing. It's not just, like, you know, made up, like mm-hmm. it's Monday Night Raw or something. It, these people are actually out here competing <laughs> and doing a thing. And also, cooking is relatable enough that, like, you know, pr- for the most part, everybody cooks. If you eat, yeah, you yeah. probably cook, mm-hmm. at least to some degree. And if you don't cook, you probably hang around people that you must know somebody that cooks. You're eating somewhere, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So whether you grew up in the kitchen uh-huh. with your mom and grandma or whether, you know, you've got a wife or a husband that cooks for you or, you know, your, your friend mm-hmm. cooks or whatever it is... It's pretty relatable. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. And Forged and Fire is so unrelatable that you can all watch it and sort of not be able to relate to it together. Like, man, I can't... What is this dude doing with the... Forged and Fire loses its luster very quickly. Once you've seen it, like, two or three times, it's like, all right, this is is it. Uh, All right. And then one last TV-related thing, and this is really just for you and me. I have been... I I follow a lot of shows, show reviews on AV Club for Mm. shows I watch. But I also follow sometimes for shows that I'm not watching to see how they're doing. Oh, yeah. Same. And one of them currently... Are we here to talk about the stands? We're here to talk about the stands. We are here to talk about the stands. Uh, it's funny that I knew that because I've seen the same reviews. Oh, man. I just saw a review for the fourth episode of the stand series that got a D plus. And let me tell you something. Websites like the AV Club are not really in the habit of, like, taking a show down a peg. Yeah, not, they're not like Pitchfork. They're not Pitchfork. They're not right. performatively doing it. Even the worst things I've seen get, like, a C on, on AV Club. Right? Yeah. Like a C-. This was... Damning. 
Look how they've massacred my boy. <laughs> oh my it's a, we knew. We knew. We knew. We knew they weren't going to do it right. Oh, as soon as they said man. this is going to be on CBS and this is going to be for regular like television, or even though it's on their app or whatever, but like this is going to be aimed at the same people who watch CSI, like Tulsa, Oklahoma. Man. No. Terrible. What a shame. Man, so this is another swing and a miss at the stand, it seems like. And it sets, it sets those of us in the, the Stephen King hive back. <laughs> it sets us back. Now when I try to tell somebody, yo, you should read The Stand, it's an amazing book, they're going to be like, The Stand? Oh, that no. weird TV show? It's no. tattooed on my arm, bro. I have a, that's, you know what. <laughs> I have a tattoo on my arm of The I'll, Stand. I yield my time. Mm. <laughs> I can see the floor to the gentleman. Mm. Um, Tough stuff. Yeah, what a shame. It's too bad. Yeah, well, read the book, guys. Go read the book. It's worth it. I mean, we should um, read the book. We've probably got about 100 copies here. If you need one, drive by. We'll, we'll disinfect it in your car. I did that thing this week where I bought a book that I definitely already own and definitely mm-hmm. probably still have somewhere around the house. And just like, you know what? I'm buying another copy. That Bill Buford book? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, like, that's like just in the other room. It's somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where it is. Uh, you know what, though? I don't have a problem necessarily with owning, like, multi- that's like a paperback book, and it was like 12 bucks, and I don't really I'm care. Somebody it doesn't who, bother me. And going even further, because when you're doing that, if you look at Amazon, and you look at, you know, other buying options, and you want to buy a used yep. copy, you yep. can probably get it for two bucks. I'm notorious for doing that. Um, I've always been, you know, when Salvation Army was in town, I'd mm-hmm. be down there about once a week, just, just peeling books off out of there, because they were so cheap, like, under two dollars. And I would definitely, if I found a copy of a book I really liked, and especially if it was in better condition than my copy, but if it was in decent enough condition, I'd get it anyway because I like to give it away. Like, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. I really enjoyed, you know, so-and-so book. So if I have a couple copies, now I can give one away. You have know I made I mean? you read that book yet? I haven't read that book. You should read that book, even though you don't care as much about soccer. Yeah, uh, on my list. I would probably enjoy it. I heard a, a take about this book <laughs> in that Men in Blazers book mm-hmm. that you bought me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they said it's one of the greatest books about soccer, but also one of the greatest... Uh, books about manhood. You gotta watch Green Street Hooligans. <laughs> I know, I do. For the fact that you like soccer yeah, I, so much yeah. and you like the thugs, it's really just, mm-hmm. it's a layup. Uh, all right. But you're a Knicks fan, so I don't know if you're into layups. Yo! Wow! 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 Uh, all right, so let's get to, uh, let's talk about Joe Biden. No, let's not yet. Let's, let's hold off for Joe Biden. Let's do some local stuff first, because I okay. do have one kind of downer local note here, and it's about COVID stuff. Mm. So, uh, it was announced... Observer Dispatch put out this morning, or maybe yesterday, uh, Nevada County expects to run out of its state-issued vaccine allotment by January 21st, which will result in the suspension of operations at the county's two vaccination sites at MVCC and Griffiths Airport uh, Base. Um, unfortunately, due to a reduced vaccine, Pacente, uh, vaccine allotment, Pacente said on Sunday, uh, we are forced to suspend our operations. Uh, we stand ready and willing to work with the state and federal government to receive more vaccines so we can continue to put shots into the arms of our residents uh this is a real downer for me because i know someone who was supposed to get on the 28th so now i don't know what that's it's gonna take a while like especially it's gonna take it's it's gonna be a janky rollout uh next week is a janky rollout uh next week's allotment which is supposed to be scheduled for january 19th has been reduced to 500 doses Pacenti said uh this continues a downward trend of doses every week as the county's allotment began at 3,000 and then fell to uh, 1300 last week uh yeah so i mean with all the other stuff going on in the news, again, it, I feel like COVID isn't the top story all the time, but it's like, it's mm-hmm. the real story. For sure. <laughs> right? It's the realist story. For sure. Uh, and I think also, too, you notice like a lot of people, you don't see a ton of mainstream coverage about the second strain of coronavirus being talked about as much as the first strain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the it's that's a real thing to pay attention to yeah. as well. 
Nutter County reported 159 new coronavirus cases and an additional death last week. So my thing, like, I, I, as I've been saying, I know people are tired. Yeah, and I know it sucks too in the winter now. I know mm-hmm. like how terrible and like depressing the weather is. Like nobody's got anything to do. And like I was, I was having, I went over to see my brother yesterday. And mm-hmm. I was hanging out with him and his family. And we were just having a good time. And we were talking a bit about the weird phenomenon. I don't know if you see this about like when you when you talk to people or catch up with people or you know you're on the phone, you're doing Zoom, whatever you might be doing, you've got nothing to talk about. Nothing, not a thing. Because you haven't been doing anything, and neither have they. You know what I mean? Like my he, poor mom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I feel bad. It's so true, though. Like it, They call, oh, what are you doing? What would you do today? Not a damn thing. Not a thing. Not I, a damn thing. I doom scrolled for three hours, and then yeah. I produced the show, and then yeah, yeah. I timed out mm-hmm. when I should eat my meals. I that decided was... to have my cup of coffee in the car this morning so I could go out and drive around a little bit and just, like, see some things, get some fresh air. It's tough, though. Yeah, oh, nobody's... Man. I mean, but with all that being said and understanding how tired everybody is and understanding, you know, yeah. all the different stuff, like, we... we really need to give a little bit of credit you know credit to us and by us i mean everybody in society like this is a we haven't gone through anything even close to this in 100 years when it comes to a pandemic and this is you know this it's understandable to be tired to be frustrated to be feeling like you know awful about it we just gotta gotta keep hanging on for a little while gotta Uh, do it well uh national response seems to be being unveiled uh, earlier this week on Thursday, uh, President-elect Joe Biden outlined his $1.9 trillion emergency, million, uh, emergency legislative package to fund a nationwide vaccine effort and provide direct economic relief to Americans amid the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, dan- uh, pandemic. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't, can't talk, apparently. Uh, this is from Biden's speech. Uh, there is real pain overwhelming the real economy, one where people rely on paychecks, not their investments, to pay for their bills and their meals and their children's needs. Uh, I like that quote. Um, yeah, I mean, sooner the better, right? His proposal includes uh, $1,400 stimulus checks for Americans and extending and expanding unemployment benefits, including a $400 weekly unemployment insurance supplement through September. Mm. Uh, Biden downplayed the deficit spending his proposal would require, saying that the benefits of aggressively spending to combat the economic impact of the pandemic would far surpass the costs, and the United States' debt overlook would be more stable, not less stable, if we seize the moment with vision and purpose. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, we got to do something. Yeah, certainly. (laughs) One of the one of the things I'm most hopeful about uh, going forward under the new administration seems seems to be the willingness to engage in deficit spending mm-hmm. and yep. not needing to like self impose this weird austerity. I think uh, that was you know that was a huge mistake that Obama made when he came in and he sort mm-hmm. of handicapped himself, you know, trying to trying to meet in the middle with good faith and you know really buying into the line of austerity. But like right now with things as wild as they are. Mm-hmm. We can't be afraid to to do what we have to do to mm-hmm. fix like some of these huge level issues, and you know we're going to need investments into this country. And we start talking about stuff like mm-hmm. infrastructure, we talk about health infrastructure, everything like that. That's really encouraging to me to see that he's not yeah. going to be afraid of deficit spending, at least in what they're saying before they get in. Who knows what will happen That's otherwise. But. Uh, and also uh, this week it was announced that President-elect Joe Biden would issue an executive order on his first day in office to rescind the Keystone XL pipeline project. Uh, which is part of a multi-phase construction project aimed at creating a direct oil pipeline to the U.S. Uh, President Obama previously rejected the pipeline because of the environmental threat it would create to native species and lands. Uh, President Trump fought during his term to get the project in gear with little success countering U.S. rulings uh, on it. So, Mm. yeah, he doesn't like the pipeline. No pipeline. 
says says Joe Biden. I've, you know what's funny? The saddest part about this, mm. the saddest part about this story for me, is I've already heard the conspiracy theory for why they want to get rid of the pipeline. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll get into some denialism in a little bit. Let's do something a little lighter, though. Because uh, this seems to be a common trend now mm. with political uh, with political folks releasing mm. playlists. We're doing playlists now, mm. kids. You guys like playlists, don't you? Everyone likes a playlist. Check out this week's playlist that we did for the show. Oh, for sure. Um, so the Biden-Harris team released a 46-song inaugural pr- uh, playlist ranging from Steely Dan to SZA, I believe is the way you pronounce that. Yeah. S-Z-A, is that right? Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm hip. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so my thought is with this, like I'm not naive enough to assume that Joe Biden listens to all of these songs. I'm sure that there's people on his team and his oh, staff. Oh, you think there's stuff on here that doesn't seem like a Biden track to you? <laughs> there's a few things on here. Really? Oh. Don't seem Biden-esque. I thought that it was actually really Biden-heavy. <laughs> He's got some Tame Impala, some Major Lazer, some you you MF Doom. You don't think Biden <laughs> listens to Major Lazer? Here's that... my question. If MF Doom hadn't died three weeks ago, does he make the playlist? Absolutely not. This is, not. Definitely, uh, this is definitely uh, a time and place thing for MF Doom, mm-hmm. right? Uh Biden's personal campaign music is reprised in the form of Bruce Springsteen's We'll Take Care of Our Own. That sounds like something he would like. Yeah, Bruce definitely. Springsteen, Mary J. Blige's Work Fat, uh, which has been a staple of uh, Jill Biden's campaigning uh, since the day she announced she was the, uh, Biden's VP. Ah, whatever. Harris is... Ah, ah. Mary J. Blige, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Dr. Jill Biden has Daryl Hall and John Oates' You Make My Dreams come true as her mm-hmm. theme song. People love that song. And we're going to save uh, Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff's uh, special theme song for later because I have a whole bit about it. So we're going we're gonna to hold off on that one. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to listen to the, the playlist, you can go on all these platforms. What are your thoughts on the Biden-Harris playlist or this playlist trend in general? Incredible. That, you like it? Everybody should do it, yeah. I yeah. have no problem with it. Of course. I would like it to, I really would like, though, to see what Joe Biden would have put if it was just him. Give me like his ten. What are Joe Biden's ten favorite songs? I really want to know. I'd love. I wonder. Those are the questions no one cares about in today's economy, like it, because it seems the, irrelevant. You know what it is? Those are the questions that like nobody's ever actually going to answer because if he gave an actual answer, it would be it would. You, there's no positive in that. So a politician's right. never going to give you a, like a straight answer about what it actually is. I think he's an old guy, so he's probably into some old music. It's true. You know what I mean? Probably uh, trying to talk to you about like Buddy Holly. Mm. So Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Oh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Is this a hot take? Miss me with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. No, fully not a hot top take. to bottom. I, was just I talk- get it. I understand why it was important. Beautiful harmonies. Wow. But like, no. Wow. It, I was not a- for me. I was actually just talking to uh, Maiden Unity's Justin Parkinson about how we both we'll, don't get it. I don't get wh- how it. I get it. I just don't like it. Yeah, no, I, that much. Like it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. It's not for me. Uh. So yeah. I'm going to skip past, I had a whole section about like weird uh, conspiracy theory corner about all this hangover from the insurrection last week, but mm. we can kind of skip past it if you want. My question, I'll just leave it with this, we'll leave you a broad question. Love it. Are you concerned that we will see any more violence or planned violence in the next two days by the time this podcast comes out? In the next two days, I wouldn't feel as confident putting my money down, but if you ask me in the next two months or in the next two years, I think unquestionably 100% we'll see more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just, I, yeah. I, I wonder, like... I, I don't, they don't seem, they don't seem done. <laughs> no, certainly. They don't seem over it, you know what I mean? No, the conspiracy theories are getting wilder, and I don't like to do too much conspiracy theory QAnon stuff, but I just wanted to ask you a question. Sure. 
So the conspiracy theory, this is the one that's been floating around, that Joe Biden is really John F. Kennedy Jr. in a CGI mask and that Donald Trump is a billion-year-old intergalactic being made of pure starlight whose plan is to introduce a cure for all diseases. Um, Buddy, I got to tell you, I, I hear and read and know of a lot of what the wildest people on the internet are doing. <laughs> and you had me with JFK because uh, they, they really think that JFK Jr. is coming back. They do. And, but I don't know about billion-year-old being made a light part. This is, oh, this no. is outside of my depth. This is from News.co uh, from Australia. Uh, and on January 20th, Trump's going to magically appear on TV around the world via a particle beam. I have heard that. No, yet. they're going to Space Force is going to beam it down <laughs> That's right. Space from Force. the satellites, and they're going to play <laughs> the tribunals right. and the confessions. Oh, man. What a time to be alive. Um, why JFK Jr.? What does JFK Jr. have to do with anything? Like, why would Republicans uh, care about JFK Jr.? So or QAnon people, I Because suppose. you need... Okay, so if you look at the target just about age of most of these people who are the, the baby boomers who are out into like the late 50s, 60s, yeah. stuff like that, who's a huge target audience, JFK Jr. was a big figure in their life who was in all the tabloids. He was everywhere. Um, mm. He was you know famous for being a socialite. All the people who watched mm. shows like The Apprentice know who he is. He died in like a very sad way, in a very kind of out of nowhere way. So he's just an mm-hmm. easy figure. And for these people, who have a very small understanding of history because realistically, like to be a QAnon person, you yeah. have to be almost completely yeah. like ignorant to yeah. history and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, for people like that, it's easy to grasp onto an identifiable name. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If it was like, oh, you know, Thomas E. Dewey is still alive and he's coming back, these people would be like, I don't know who that is, but JFK Jr., it's, it's marketing, it's branding. Yeah, you know, I guess, It's just an yeah. easy, identifiable face to put on. Uh, let's do something a little bit lighter, I suppose. A uh, study came out this week from the All Home Connections uh, program. I don't know if it's a website or program. Essentially, they did a trend, they, did, they looked at statewide trends to find out what the most Googled question in each state for all of 2020 was. Mm. So some interesting ones in here. A lot of ones roll over. Should I quarantine is really popular. Yeah, you know, yeah. Alabama, Colorado, District of Columbia, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Florida, should I shave my head? Why? Why is that the most cool question in Florida this year? What's going on there? Uh, for New York, if you're curious out there, folks. I definitely am. Should I move houses? Which makes 100,000% sense. Yeah. Should I find a new apartment? Should I move houses? New Jersey, hey, should I pop this blister? That's the real thing. Should I pop this blister? <laughs> Weird. Uh, should I delete Facebook, though, seems to be one that pops up here a lot. Yes. In a couple different states. Yes, uh, North should. Carolina, Pennsylvania. Uh, so, yeah, it seems to be pretty common. A lot of stuff this year. Should I quarantine? Should I delete Facebook? And should I move houses? Those mm. seem to be the biggest running Makes sense. Uh, Google searches of the year across all the different states. And then Michigan, should I pop a blister? Kentucky, should I have a baby? Kansas, no. Kansas no, should Kentucky. I get a dog? Yes, you should. Yeah, if you're go- you got room. You're, like, you live in Kansas, right? You got some space. What's the population of Kansas? 12, 1,300 people? Listen, Iowa. plenty of room. Iowa. Should I dye my hair? Guys, are you Hell that bored? Yeah. Dye your hair. No, he- listen. Dye your I- hair. Listen, Iowa gave us Slipknot. And silly as they've become in older years, those first couple albums still bang. Iowa, should I dye my hair? Florida, should I shave my head? So what's going on here? Uh, Florida is where you move when you get a little bit of money to get out of Iowa, but your hair is thinning because of all the hair dye you put in it up there in Iowa. Plus, you're wearing hats all the time in Iowa because it's colder. So you move to Florida, you got to shave the head. You can't wear the beanie in Florida, but you don't want to be like thinning hair guy on your new small boat in like Panama City Beach. Uh, Quick quick section of uh, Too Bad So Sad this week for the 
National Rifle Association of America. Nation's foremost gun lobby has filed for bankruptcy, according to court documents filed Friday in the North District of Texas. Mm. NRA plans to leave New York State, where it was founded in 1871, and reincorporate as a Texas nonprofit in a move it is calling, quote, Project Freedom, which is always the name for moves like this. Why mm. is it? It's always these kind of names. It's always Freedom, Valor, something like mm. that. Chapter 11 announcement follows leadership shakeups and allegations of financial mismanagement at the NRA in recent years. Uh, too bad, so sad for the NRA. I feel mm. terrible for them. Uh, all right, moving on. I, not me. <laughs> uh, I guess these are all sort of falling in the big energy section this week because I couldn't find any particular one. You just got thing. so much energy this week. A lot of energy. Uh, Tennessee law firm is giving away free divorces for its clients on Valentine's Hilarious. Day this year. Uh, uh, the Powers Law Firm in Tennessee, which is, this is a great way to get coverage in different states, uh, is a reminder that they are, if you're trapped in a marriage you cannot afford to get out of for some other reason, uh, you can get a divorce for free. Here's what you need to do. The divorce must be agreed upon by both parties. Mm. You must submit a story as to why you get want to get to divorce to the law firm. Uh, and submissions will also need to include a phone number and email where you can get connected. There is no cost for entry. Contestants will not be charged for the services or for filing court fees. However, mm. if the divorce involves minor children, which it almost usually certainly does, mm -hmm. uh, the contestants will have to pay for a parent education class. So what this is, this is like giving away a free appetizer. Because you know, <laughs> you know they're not just coming no. in for the quick no contest divorce. No. They're going to come in when you offer the no contest divorce, it gets to custody, it gets to all different things mm -hmm. like that, and all of a sudden they're ordering entrees. you got yeah. some folks in your restaurant. That's what this is. Uh, also this week, New England Patriots head coach, we talked about it last week, uh, it was announced on Monday that Patriots head coach Bill Belichick would decline uh, to accept the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Donald Trump, uh, citing last week's deadly riot at the U.S. Capitol. Mr. Trump was set to give the highest civilian honor to the 68-year-old this week. Uh, but in a statement uh, by obtained by CBS News, Belichick said he was flattered to have the opportunity to receive the medal, but the storming of the Capitol, uh, which many have accused Mr. Trump of inciting, Changed his mind. ESPN was the first to report on Belichick's statement. Are you surprised Bill uh, Belichick did this? Very pleasantly surprised. Uh, normally, we have a segment on the show we called "I'm Done with This Guy." Done with uh, this. I'm calling this segment "I Have Now Begun with This Guy." I've begun with this guy. Belichick's always he's kind of a jerk. I respect him as a coach, but like I don't care about uh, the NFL. I think it's like it's boring and whatever. But I was shocked to see this, and I love it. And rub that salt right in the craw of of everybody who doesn't like it. Good for Bill Belichick for standing because he didn't have to. He could have taken this, and his his record is is unimpeachable. Nobody yeah. would have said anything to him. It mm -hmm. wouldn't have damaged him. Nope. He wouldn't have been hurt. I mean, a couple Twitter eggs might have popped off. Busted Twitter balls, eggs yeah. do nothing but pop off. Um, he could have taken it. He very easily could have taken it. To stand up and not do mm -hmm. it, uh, good on you. Bill I thought his quote was good. He said, above all, I'm an American citizen with great reverence for our nation's values, freedom, and democracy. I know I also represent my family and the New England Patriots team. One of the most rewarding things in my professional career took place in 2020 when through the great leadership within our team, conversations about social justice, equality, and human rights moved to the forefront and became actions. Continuing these efforts while remaining true to the people, team, and country I love outweighs the benefit of any individual award. Whether he came up with this himself or he had like a, some his, his PR department write it for him, mm -hmm. great work. You'd yeah. love to see it. Good Spot work. On. Good work, Bill. Uh, also this week, got to give some credit to Post Malone. Post Malone this mm. week. Uh, it's reported that Post Malone, 25-year-old, uh, what would you call him? Hip-hop star? Rap star? SoundCloud rapper? Uh, pop star? Certainly we call him a lot more than a SoundCloud rapper. Um, it pop. would be... Is he pop star now? Pretty much. Pop I star? mean, yeah, his yeah. songs get on, like, that song Circles, that's a pop song. Yeah, yeah. You know, I Fall Apart, that gets on pop. He plays guitars, which is cool, raps. Uh, well, he, he partnered with the Crocs shoe brand uh, mm. company. 
with the nonprofit Musicians on Call to give uh, the Post Malone duet Max Clog Two Shoes to workers in 70 facilities across the country, giving away 10,000 pairs of Crocs to frontline mm. medical workers. Good for you. What a come up. Yeah, good. I. I always say how nice it would be to have, like, the platform and the money to do nice stuff like that. Good for him. It's wild, too, because I feel like Post Malone, for me, totally took a shift. There are three things that shifted Post Malone for me. Mm. One, he had that song in that Spider-Man movie that I didn't know was him. And that Spider-Man... I don't think I I know it, but... So, in the Spider-Man movie, Into the Spider-Man... Into the Spider-Verse, there's that, like, hip-hop song. It's a great song. I only saw the movie once. It's awesome. Go listen to it. I didn't know it was him, and I heard the song, and I was like, oh... Oh, what's this? This is all right. And I was like, God damn you, Post Malone. Uh, and then he did that thing on his YouTube where him and his buddies did that full Nirvana concert, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I earned a lot of... And then uh, the Crocs man. Did you see him? He was on YouTube at one point doing... Uh, I think he was doing Pantera Live somewhere. Like some band was playing Pantera and he just got up there and did like Walk or Cowboy Smell or something like that. And it was cool. Uh, Crocs, by the way, is having their most successful year of all time in 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Uh, but apparently they're they... are selling tons of everybody's wearing Tons right? of them. They think Everybody. they're... Their fourth quarter year-over-year revenue has increased about 55% of the, in the last year. So, Damn. wild. Ride it where they can get it. You know, yeah. they'll, be out, they'll be out of trend soon enough, but cool for them to get it where they can get it. I still can't, I still can't do it. The Crocs? I don't think they're... I, I just... I, I'm not interested. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... It's not... I've got nothing against... I don't have, like, a strong opinion. The people who wear them seem to love them, but I just... I'm not super interested. All right, Buffalo Bills fans, you've waited more than long enough. It's that time. Uh, joining us from the Sportzilla Show, you know him from so many various places. You know him from from K Rock, from ESPN Radio, from all over the place. He's on Twitter, Facebook. One of my oldest. Uh, I don't. Know, I don't know how to refer to him. What would you? He, I wouldn't call him like a radio icon because we're not on the radio. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a. He's a great inspiration for me to use my voice and platform. I'll put it that way because I loved listening to him growing up, and I always rub it into him. And I'm glad he's here to talk about the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen and the. AFC Championship? What a time to be alive. It's really happening? All right. Folks, I know you're excited. I've been sort of holding off, uh, but this feels like the right time to bring back our. I, I'm I'm stunned by this, and I have to share this with you, Rain. Do you know the last time you were on this show? It's been a few years, at least. I know that. It was episode 11, September 7th, 2015. It has been almost six years, so five and a half years since you've been on the show. That's way too long, and um, I love your Buffalo Bills hat. I wore it specifically for you uh, so you could see this 90s style Bills hat. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I was absolutely stunned. I had thought somewhere along the way that you'd been back on since then. And I can't believe it's taken this long to have you well, back on the show. Well, when you reached out, as I told you, I'm flattered that you would even ask. And I'm grateful for a chance to talk to you, man. I've been, you know, I pay attention. You know, I follow along with what you've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when you walked in, we kind of did it uh, very archaic in uh, uh, the old studios. I'm, oh, we're yeah. down. T- as you know, we're downtown in uh, the Landmark Building now. Right. Uh, but you know, I also work out of the Syracuse Studios a lot too. But uh, you've come and grown quite a bit with this too. Now we're doing it via Zoom. That's awesome, man. Well, everything's. I feel like everything is. I've struggled to deal with the Zoom thing because you know, you're. I don't know if you're the same as me, but part of what I loved about doing the podcast was that sitting in a room, 
breaking mm-hmm. walls with a person. And I, I've struggled a little bit to convert to the Zoom life, but you know, it allows me to reach more people. So I'm kind of getting used to that too. And for me too, being a, I appreciate it for what it is. Don't yeah. get me wrong. And the way that anybody produces any type of content from something like Uticast or radio or any medium that you want, it's, you've had to, you follow some different directions in order to do that. It's it, the life changes, everything changes. But for me, the medium of radio, there's something awesome about, and we've talked about, we've talked about oh, this, yeah. but oh, yeah. when you can put some headphones on or you could just put it up through your speakers and it's just two voices and two people talking, you, there's that theater of the mind aspect that, that radio or broadcasting brings in that is, is lost a little bit like this. Plus uh, there's also, unexpected things that happen to appear behind you in cameras. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Rain, I got to ask you, you know, I go, we've talked about the story before about how we've met. So I'm not going to go into that. People can go back and listen to that episode if they'd like, but you know, I, I talked about, you know, growing up, you were in the best possible terms, the gatekeeper for a lot of the cool music that we were listening to in the area. And yeah. I wondered back then, you know, I used to play in a punk band and I remember as a kid, I played in a punk band with a show with a couple other bands once. And I asked a guy offhand, it was a Sunday, and I said, hey, do you know if the Bills won today? And the kid looked at me like I told him that I had, like, thrown a baby in the river. He's like, Buffalo, what are you talking about? Like, you're a punk? You, you watch sports? So yeah. there's always this weird, like, I always found that, like, the guys who were super into music weren't always necessarily into sports. So I wondered, did you always love sports, even when you were doing primarily music stuff? Yes. Yeah, always. 100%. Yeah. I'm... I've, I've always been a curious person and I, I mean, people would be surprised to know I am a political junkie. I am a, I'm a sports junkie. I'm a music junkie. I I just, I find if something catches my interest, Mm -hmm. I I absorb myself into it until I understand it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, not just from my own perspective, but from other people's perspective, you know, if you just want to look at it in the form of politics, uh, whatever your beliefs are or mine are, I, I, the one thing that drives me crazy is those that are ignorant to the other person's perspective or that live in their own echo chambers because it's dangerous. Oh, yeah. And you have the ability to read between the lines. You have the ability to, uh, you know, the people that always get on social media and go, you need to educate yourself are always the ones that are least educated on a subject. Well, so you've, you've got you've to learn and consume all different perspectives. I wish that I could like tell people when they, when I, I see that discourse online all the time. And I wish that I could tell people, you know, I'm not trying to do like the humble brag thing here. I have a master's degree in education. I have a bachelor's degree in American history. So yeah. we talk a lot, especially in teaching programs today about the correct ways to talk about history and these ideas of like recurring themes and things in history that come back up. And it's a lot more nuanced than just, you know, what people give it credit for. There's a lot of there's a lot of individual research. I was just talking today about how doing global studies as opposed to American studies really changed my view on a lot of different things that involved America tangentially. Like when you think about everything is this giant cog and there's a lot of nuance and that is absolutely lost in the social media argument where you have 140 characters yeah. own somebody. Don't we, don't we seem to be repeating a terrible time in our history now? Yes. No matter what side you fall on that, and I'm not going to open up on that. I don't expect you to either because oh, people I mean, are going to have their own views and it's a waste of time, like you kind of just said. Yeah, but yeah. But, but you're yeah. absolutely right. I think it's I think it's telling that people on both sides are looking and going, here's an example of how this is this thing happening again or this happening again. And I've seen it mm-hmm. with a ton of events and it 
it is scary. I'm not, I'm not excited about the way, you know, and people, you know, people who know the show know where I stand on things, right? But I'm not, I love like the idea of American culture and America coming together. Like that's a thing, whether you're political or not on either side of the party, like the idea that we're America and we can, you know, we can believe that America can be this wonderful place where people of different backgrounds can come together. I think that's great, right? I also think that's very American and that struggle and people struggle with that sometimes. As human beings, we have more alike than we have differences, Beautiful. period. And Beautiful. The, second, the second thing I would say to that is facts matter. Huh. You, you can have all the opinions you want, but Absolutely. facts and truth still matter at the end of the day. And they always, always will. Whether you choose to accept them or not, that's entirely up to you. But well, needless talk. to say, needless to say, yeah, we went off. Uh, there's okay. a fork in the there was a fork in the road to football and we took the other one, but that's okay. It's just a Let's, nice conversation. I'm glad to, I'm glad we could have a little bit because I do want to talk about the Buffalo Bills. I, this is not necessarily a sports show. I've tried to do a sports podcast, especially I'll like- I'll talk about anything you want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this feels like a moment where we need to talk about the Buffalo Bills. I've been a long yeah. time Buffalo Bills fan and I'm 35 years old. I'm not, I don't know if I'm aging myself or anything, but so for me- I don't remember as much about the 1990s Buffalo Bills, those four Super Bowls. I remember them tangentially, like my dad and uncles talking about them. Sure. So for me, you know, this feels like a moment in Bill's history that I can't compare it to. I'm not going to say that you're that much older than me, but how can you compare what's going on with the Bills to what you remember from growing up? You got the right coach and you got the right quarterback and you've got enough weapons. Granted, I will say this uh, as a caveat, the game is different than it was 25 years ago, the last time the, the Bills were kind of coming out of their last sustained run. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, first of all, you have an all-pro, all-world receiver. It's Stephon Diggs, who is the difference in this team. Why, why do you think that the Bills' offense has grown? It's obviously because G, uh, Josh Allen has taken a huge step from his first two years to this year. But the reason for that is they gave him Stephon Diggs. They gave him an elite top, what, three, four, five receivers in all of football. Makes a huge difference. Makes Devin Singletary or the running game in general better. The, but then again, the line is better. The culture has slowly evolved with Sean McDermott coming in here as well. And it matters a lot. Yeah, it feels like, to answer your question with a long-winded answer, it feels like the magic is back in Buffalo. It yeah. does. I think you you touched on a really interesting point. I do have a list in front of me of all of the quarterbacks that the Bills have had since Jim Kelly. And the list is dire. You're talking Todd Collins, Doug Flutie, Rob Johnson, Alex Lampel, <clears throat> Drew Bledsoe, J.P. Lossman, Trent Edwards, Ryan Fitzpatrick, E.J. Manuel, Kyle Orton, Tyrod Taylor. Stop me when you get to a name that you feel like you were okay with. <laughs> and I think what you're sort of talking about, you look at a guy like Stevie Johnson or Lee Evans, who you watch in this team, you're like, this guy's good. If only they could get someone to throw the ball to him. <laughs> you know, you know what? But but for the most part, other than Marshawn, uh, tell me when they've had uh, a superior running game. So I think it's a real big, uh, I think it's a real big blow that uh, Moss, Zach Moss, I'm saying it right. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. That he's not, I don't know if he's back for this game. I really liked what he added to this team, that two-headed running attack with the third down back, a little bit of action, mm -hmm. short passing. I really like what he brings to this team. I hope he's back. And I don't know that he will be, but I suppose 
you also have to look at it from this perspective too, with having the right quarterback with the way that the game has evolved. You have something with Josh Allen that you did not have with Jim Kelly and that's his legs and his ability, his ability when necessary to run. So in a sense, you have that extra facet of the running game. Uh, one thing that I, I can definitely say too is, and this is not a knock on Jim Kelly, but holy cow, Buffalo's never had a guy that could throw a football like Josh Allen. It's ridiculous. He has an arm. So I was thinking about this last week because I was, you know, all the knocks on Josh Allen. He mm-hmm. open receivers. He's inconsistent with the, with the completion percentage. You know, it was never a question that he didn't have an arm. Everyone knew he had this huge arm. And if he could just get it under control, that's something I feel like you can learn. You can't learn to throw longer. I watched that game with Drew Brees last night, and it was tough watching this guy who's one of the greats of all time who felt like he couldn't get the ball down the field 10 yards. Yeah. It's the game has slowed down for him though. I think he understands it better. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, his completion percentage has gone up considerably this year, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, another great thing for him. And here's the other thing too. Overall, the bills offense is scoring on average 11 points more per game. So you don't rely on the defense enough and there's, it's a balance when the offense can get on the field, sustain some drives, even if you, you're not going to score every time you're driving down the field, but if you eat up some clock, well, then your defense rests and they're better later in the game. And it's such an important thing. They're not exhausted. I'll give you, I'm obviously a, a giants fan. That's my favorite team. I'm on the bills mafia bandwagon this year. But that's been their problem. Oh, oh boy. Uh, th- three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three yeah. and out. The defense is on the field. Luckily, the Giants did get better. Uh, they started one and seven. It was a carryover from last year. But the, they didn't have, first of all, the talent. Uh, but they're on the field too much. And I don't care how good you are. If you're on the field constantly, you're exhausted. A great defense also needs to rest. I mean, I, that's a whole separate conversation about the NFC East. But you look at the NFC East and you think the whole division shifted. Dak gets hurt. Saquon gets hurt, and then that whole division feels like it's a mess. Right? Yep, dumpster fire. Dumpster <laughs> fire. Uh, I want to ask you this question because we talked a little bit about him, and I'm going to co-opt to something from the past. Maybe I'm just cynical. Is Josh Allen elite? Can we say he's like one of the top three quarterbacks in the league? Boy, I had that conversation on my uh, on my ESPN show. Yeah. Um, and boy, if he's not, he's right there. But how many 400 yard passing games did he have this year? It, it's t- think about the, I mean, think about it. You got Pat Mahomes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. After that, you're talking Tom Brady. Is, is Tom Brady is, I don't know if he's elite anymore. Well above average still at 43. Uh, he's uh, the greatest I've ever seen, but he doesn't seem like he's hundred percent. The guy he was, he's not 30 year old prime age, Tom Brady anymore. Um, I mean, tell me who else is if Josh Allen isn't, you know, uh, yeah. Russell Wilson gets thrown into that equation quite a bit and yeah, he's won a super bowl, but there's some times too, where you go, where are you? Where are you yeah. right now? When it matters most, they, they should not have lost their first round, the wild card game. If you look at the stats, I want to say Deshaun Watson really high on the stats, but you wonder, you look at that Houston team, you're like, is Houston bad because of him or are they bad because of mismanagement? You don't really know whether Watson is in that top five. Like. What separated what separated Deshaun Watson from that conversation is when they traded Hopkins to oh, Arizona. He lost his elite receiver. Yeah. I think in it's a change of scenario thing for him. You get him out of Houston, and he wants out of Houston. It, it's going to totally change the narrative on him. I'll tell you this: 
uh, people are talking about the, what's the best job. Is it going with the chargers and Justin Herbert? Is it going to Jacksonville where you're probably going to get Trevor Lawrence? Cause I don't think they're taking Justin Fields, even with uh, urban Meyer there. What's the best option. If, if assuming Deshaun stayed in Houston right now, there's no better job. He's an established quarterback. You know what he can do, 4,800 yards, put him in a better situation, in a better organization, because the Houston Texans organization is crap. Yes. Uh, give him better coaching, et cetera. Deshaun Watson's in that conversation. Okay, and then if you want to add him to it, then yeah. I think that you have to consider him at least – he's entering that conversation, and he's only 24, uh, but you're talking about a guy who will be if he's not. I have – Dolphins fans, friends, and Patriots fan friends who are sort of talking themselves through the motions of whether or not they want Deshaun Watson to come to their team. Now, Dolphins fans, it's, do we want to give away Tua? Do we think that Watson right now is better than Tua could be in a couple of years? And Patriots fans, just like, do we want to bring in another quarterback after the Cam Newton thing? Well, everybody's talking about Daniel Jones from my Giants. Is he the quarterback? Is he the guy? Have you seen enough? What do you do with him moving forward? Well, I say to them, I'm going to go with them and I'm fine with them. If, if they have to give him year three to progress like Josh Allen has, but if you can make a trade and you want to bring in Deshaun to the giants, I'll take him tomorrow. Immediately. (laughs) No question. No question. Get Uh, it done. I think actually the conversation we're having sort of validates the point that Allen maybe is an elite guy right now. I'll take Josh Allen tomorrow. Yeah. Who wouldn't. Okay. So, so, maybe as a Giants fan talking to a Bills fan, am I wrong to be cynical? I see a lot of my Bills fan friends who are really excited. And I got to be honest, I do not believe, and people can say I'm reverse jinxing it, I don't think the Bills can beat Kansas City. Not this team. They're one of the best teams I've seen in a decade, this Kansas City team. But I do think the Bills fall into a trend that you're seeing in the NFL, which is if you're going to be an elite NFL team, you have to have an elite offense and a fine defense. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's where we are now having the best defense. If you can't score, isn't enough in the modern game. It used to be. That's the one strength that the Rams have is, is defense. And that's what's got them here thus far. Cause they don't have anything on offense, even yeah. with golf and his injuries and everything else. It's a bend. Don't break thing. Mm-hmm. That's really ultimately what it is. You're right. You don't have to, it's not like the, the football that I grew up on, or perhaps you grew up with. It's right. not that smash mouth. You're absolutely right. I 100% agree with that point. It's it's not the same as it used to be. It is bend, don't break. So as a casual viewer, for in your opinion, what's the best and worst case watching scenarios for the Super Bowl? What teams, if you're a casual viewer, do you want to root for out of these four? I feel like the Bills has got to be one of them. It's actually, it's funny you said that because uh, we had this conversation on my ESPN show earlier today and have for the last week or so. Um, you know, looking at the different breakdowns and matchups that are potential. And now we have the final four. Is there a bad one? Because, and I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you why we don't think that there is, at least I don't think that there is because you have name brand quarterbacks on every team. Everybody wants to see if Josh Allen can take this team to a Super Bowl, to Buffalo, even a casual fan. That's not, and let's be honest, Bill's fans are in central and Western New York and that's it. Tom Brady is a household name across the country. Uh, You've got Aaron Rodgers. And what's the other team I'm forgetting? Uh, uh, Oh, oh yeah. Pat Mahomes. That guy. That guy. Household name with the Chiefs. (laughs) Buddy's concussed. But either way, 
yeah. either way you have the you have the potential for a really good game whereas like was it a few years ago we had didn't we have jacksonville in the conversation and you're like what you know awful not, game's a dog not but not now this year kind of the first two rounds of the playoffs actually felt like that to me a little bit it's like are mm-hmm. we really going to watch a playoff game with Tyler Hineke playing quarterback and it felt like there was a lot of weird it felt like there was a lot of incomplete teams the Rams win that first game where golf has to come off the bench it just a lot of in strange games this year I think that extra team really threw me off the extra additional team yeah I haven't determined if I want to see this moving forward or if I'm okay with it just this year is as an anomaly I can't but, if I'm mad as a Bills fan because they lost the bye for being the number mm-hmm. two team or if I think that that's I really they should the second team should get it by. I'm not sure where I sit on this. Well, wh- how would you feel? Uh, because you're you're expecting your bills to bills, right? Yeah, yeah. But wouldn't you feel a little bit better if the game was in Buffalo as opposed to Kansas City? Yeah. Does that change your opinion in your narrative? Because you know what, seven thousand fans or sixty seven hundred fans in Buffalo sounded like seventy thousand at times. You know, and, but. But Arrowhead is a tough place to play, and I suppose it's also beneficial that it will only be a handful of fans there and not a full stadium. I do think that – I think that the Bills traveling has some upside, right? Look at the game we just watched this weekend with the Ravens. Whether or not the Bills play in Buffalo all the time is irrelevant because that wind affected both teams, and they it, they struggled. I assume you're going to get some more even-keeled weather in Kansas City. Our listeners can send me the weather updates for Kansas City if they want. They probably but, will, <laughs> but that's probably, uh, but that's probably a more even playing field to watch these two offenses play. So maybe from a watchability standpoint alone, you want to see this game under the lights in good weather with Mahomes playing. I don't want to see any play. I want to see Mahomes versus this team. And I'm really, I actually really am looking forward to this game, even if the Bills can't quite get it over the edge. If you're a Bills fan, you should want them to beat Mahomes on the way to it. And what if they ended up in the Super Bowl against Brady, by the way, and his history with the Patriots? You know what? You want to whoop his ass. I've, you do. I've played this narrative in my head already all week. Like, how does this work? If the we win the division, we beat the Patriots twice this year, and then you finally get a shot to take down Brady now that he's off doing his other thing. I, I, I've built this narrative in my head already. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> to your point on the kicking game, though, yeah, who would have thought uh, four missed field goals? in that game in divisional round to go to the championship game two by both teams. The bills was a bass. You're your good rookie kicker just broke his, the rookie record with that 54 year yard field goal the other day. Uh, was it Tucker? Is that the kicker for the Ravens who missed a couple? Yeah. yeah I mean, he, he missed him two, hard and his face was like stunned. <laughs> did that just happen? It did. You don't, you, you certainly wouldn't have wanted the win to be a factor in like the kick to win that game, no. win or lose against the Ravens. You're absolutely right. I want, I want to know that the weather isn't a factor. However, here's another scenario. Let's say the bills make it and you go and you end up and Tampa beats green Bay and you're playing Tom Brady in Tampa in Tampa. I gotta be on. And this might be where my, not my bills, uh, homerism comes from but my afc homerism i kind of am not worried about nfc teams i know that sounds stupid but like i I know green bay is really good but i don't know i watched tampa bay last night they didn't look amazing and i don't know i'm more concerned i think kansas city is the game if the bills can beat kansas city somehow they can they can beat either one of the other teams i think they could beat the other team yeah that's that's kind of where my head's at with those with that scenario i'd like to beat brady that'd be great uh but uh, let's worry about kansas city (laughs) You, you have no other choice. You got to win the game in front of you. It's all speculation otherwise. 
I really do want to see Mahomes play, though. I, I know there's probably going to be Bills fans who are like, take a win where you can get a win. If he doesn't play, he doesn't play. But I, I want to see Mahomes out there because I'd like to see the Bills try and take a hack at him with this sort of weird Jekyll and Hyde defense they have. Yeah, be fun. Are you kidding me? What he Listen, just as a casual football fan, if your Bills aren't in the game, you stop and watch Pat Mahomes play. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just ridiculous. What he can do. I mean, there's nothing he can't do. Talk about a guy with an arm. Holy cow. You know, it's really funny. Uh, this is, this might lose some people here. Uh, I follow a YouTube channel called NFL Throwback, and they always put up classic game highlights. And they put up a highlight from Patrick Mahomes playing Baker Mayfield in college. Yeah. It was wild. It was, yeah, it was Baker Mayfield was playing for Texas Tech, uh, for Oklahoma State and Mahomes Texas playing. Tech. And it's funny because you're watching the game and, you know, Mahomes has really no weapons on this team. It's basically just him. And Baker has everything. He's got Mark Andrews on this team. He's got Joe Mixon. He's got Hollywood Brown. Like this team is stacked. And that game is essentially a shootout. And, you know, I'm sure that Baker was a hot prospect coming out of that. But even watching it, you're like, oh, no, Mahomes is the one, though. Like, look at all the talent that Baker has. And Mahomes is still holding this team on glue and paper sticks together. It's, I just think to myself, I never want to be a scout. It's got to be the worst job ever to try. That's all oh I my. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Look at the narrative on Baker Mayfield before this year. He was a bust. He was terrible. What the hell's wrong with him? He's crap. He's garbage. All oh, the Browns did it again. What another horrible draft pick after Johnny Manziel. But here's the thing, too. When it's almost like Pat Mahomes is a no-brainer. It's, it's him and everybody else. He is the best quarterback in football, and it's not close at this point. And if he's healthy by this weekend, uh, yeah, to be perfectly blunt and honest with you and any other Bills fan, oh, yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd be extremely concerned. I'm, I'm a cynical Bills fan at heart. I said before the season, if they could even get two playoff wins, I'd be ecstatic. I already think that this is the best thing to happen on the Bills in 25 years, to have this team, and whether or not they move farther, you can build on this team. There's a lot of upside. I think they need... Maybe defensive rusher, someone else to help with that rush, that linebacker. Edge rusher, yeah, edge rusher, yeah. yeah. But really, they're not that far away from being competitive on a yearly basis, and that's what I'd like to see. You don't want – it's uh, – Dino Babers of Syracuse says all the time, you don't want to be, like, excellent for one season. You want to be sustainably, consistently good. And But they're, they're going to be with Sean McDermott. Uh, Bean is a good GM, and I think – Moving forward, I would expect a nice long run of success for the Bills. You have, you've got the quarterback. It, it, you've got to have the quarterback to take you there in the NFL. He's definitely your quarterback for the next 10 years. Oh, I can't yeah. foresee anything knocking him off track. Here's something. Let me throw one at you, Sam. Love it. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, you hear about, and you were talking about looking at the history of the game, Bill Parcells mm -hmm. is an example, or Bill B. Lecek, if yeah. you like a South Park reference. Uh, <laughs> you talk about the coaching trees of those two, for example. It, it used to be the Tom Landry coaching tree or, or whatnot, but now with our generation, it, it all shoots off of Belichick and Parcells until you throw another name into the mix, which we were recently investigating, which is Andy Reid. Jim, so Jim Har uh, John Harbaugh has won. Rivera has been there and lost, but he's been there. Sean McDermott was a coach on Andy Reid's staff for a long time. Uh, and that bridged the gap from the Eagles. And, and then he eventually went and was uh, the Ravens defensive coordinator, but there's a pretty substantial Andy Reid coaching tree out there. So now you're looking at, my question is you're looking at teacher versus student or student versus teacher. 
So does the teacher surpass the student or is Andy Reid still at the top of his game? Because you, you remember the, the closing drive. He it's some balls to make the play calls that oh, yeah. he did under those circumstances. Well, here's the thing about Andy Reid, and I could be you could take me to task for this if you want. Andy Reid reminds me a lot of Jim Bayhawk. Right. For a long time, for a long time, he was this respected coach and they were successful and there were knocks on him a little bit like, oh, clock management. Look how I played in the Super Bowl with the Eagles. And that title that he won with the Chiefs sort of validated everything for his career. Like he I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I think he's one of the greats. But I do think that winning that title really raised his his perception in the general public. I think he was a little bit of a, we don't know. It legitimized him. him. Yeah. Legitimized him in a way that I think that the title that Bayheim won really legitimized him as a legend in Syracuse, not just this guy who's been here for a really long time and has a system. You're right. Uh, so I, I wonder, I would like to see Andy Reed. I almost like to see Andy Reed win because I think he, I always felt like he got a hard, a hard time. He got treated poorly by the public for a long time. Does that make sense? Well, you look at when he had Donovan McNabb from Syracuse and, and the Eagles and some really good teams and there were weapons around. They still he was that coach that could never win the big game. Mm-hmm. He finally won the big game. And it's with him now. It, he's been given credibility by winning that Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. it's it's chess checkers. He's playing chess just like Jim Beheim. Everybody else is playing ch- checkers. We all want to sit there. He's an easy target. Jim is, for example, and it plays in Andy Reid. They've been there for so long. Yeah. They become furniture. You take them for granted. But yeah. you don't realize being a, a head coach, it's it's not – it's delegating authority. It's not – he's not out on the field going through the offense, the defense, the special teams. He's not sitting in the cornerback's practice. He delegates authority down to his coaches. This is my system. Follow it. Implement it. And let's do this. And then he's the CEO that – he basically takes all of that information or, or all of those aspects of the game plan and puts him, them together and applies it to the team they're going to play yeah. in, a, in a very specific manner. Okay, do we take care of this with the cornerbacks because we got to go up against this receiver or this running back? Okay, defensively, our linebackers are going to have to deal with this, this, and this. Have we taken care of that? And then checks off all those boxes on both sides figures out his special teams and goes into it with a game plan. We don't know any of that. We think we do, but we don't. And there is so much that happens behind the scenes that the media or the press or the public aren't talking about. And half the time we sound stupid. We're not in practice with them every day. We don't know what we're talking about. We think we do, but we have no idea. And we second guess these guys. It's an impossible job and you can't make everybody happy. Uh, Rain, I've kept you for a long time. I don't want to, I know you have other work to do today. So, uh, before I let you go, uh, oh, we're good. No worries, man. Can you give me, uh, your predictions for this weekend and for the Super Bowl for our, for our listeners? I think, and I have been debating on this. I think that there is a path to beating the chiefs. It's mm-hmm. not likely, uh, if I go with my heart and a few things breaking the bills way, they can win, but ultimately, if I go with my brain, I think the Chiefs win this. I, if you can keep them at round twenty points, the Bills have enough offensively yeah. to win. I don't know if that's likely. I see at, when it's all said and done, Mahomes, you get into that fourth quarter and and you'll worry. I'm I'm thinking you're looking at like a twenty eight seventeen Chiefs win. 
to yep. be honest. That sounds I'd right. like that. I'd like that to be not true, but I think it is. Uh, as far as Green Bay, you know, everybody talk about the cold weather and Tom's 43, but he played in New England. He's used to the yeah. weather. Doesn't matter. Um, don't know what game day conditions are going to be off the top yeah. of my head. Uh, but I think Green Bay is beatable. And I think that there's just something with Tom. I just have a feeling that they're going to win. I'm looking 20, 17, 14, 21, 14, somewhere in there. But I think Tampa wins this. And I think that's what your Super Bowl is. If, if that's the case, Kansas City wins it. It's so funny that I'm totally with you. I have no faith that Green Bay, even though they are offensively amazing and Rodgers might be having his best single year as an NFL quarterback, I'm still like, nah, Tom Brady. I'm still like, nah, Tom Brady's going to win. I can't, I can't turn it off. He has too many weapons for Green Bay to shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Green Bay has basically won. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Which is saying a lot, actually, for Aaron Rodgers, because he is historically they have not given him much to work with there. And he's done it all on his own. Um, and, and I think I think that Tampa has enough playmakers on defense that they can shut them down under the circumstances. That's my educated guess. So that's uh, how I see it playing out. Ray, I want to thank you for, for chatting sports with me. I don't know if the Bills will win this weekend, but I'm glad we got to do this beforehand for this AFC championship. Uh, where can people hear you right now if they want to check out what you're up to? Uh, Sportzilla show, which is on ESPN radio, awesome. uh, Utica, Utica roll markets, 96.5. Obviously we put a podcast out. It's in all the usual places awesome. Awesome. can subscribe to that. Uh, I still jump on K rock on the weekends, uh, usually in the three to seven time the typical time you'd you, used to hearing me, yeah, yeah. uh, filling in for a few days as of right now for smoothie, uh, who's out for a couple days. Uh, but, but that's primarily it going to do, I think we're doing Utica comets, Insider again, that'll be on K Rock on Mondays at seven. Obviously, so weird this year with a short season. Yeah. Um, but my main gig is two to four right now uh, with the Sports Illustrated Show on ESPN Radio. Awesome. Uh, and before I let you go, I got a couple quick lightning round questions for you just to close out some fun stuff for you. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rain, what's one category that if you were on Jeopardy, you feel like you could dominate almost anybody else in? Uh, either the Dave Matthews band or the New York Yankees. Dave Matthews band <laughs> is pretty good. Uh, all right. I'm going to set the stage for you. Okay. You are the world wrestling federation, heavyweight champion of the world. You are Ooh. walking down the ramp to the ring to face your competitor. The crowd is cheering your name. You hold the belt up over your head. What song is playing in the background as you walk to the ring? Uh, Crying like a bitch by Godsmack. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that popped into my head, but it did. Uh, And if you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be and why? Barack Obama. Barack Obama, very strong. Barack Obama, uh, because he he scares a lot of people for uh, some very obvious reasons. Yeah, he does. And I find him to be fascinating, mostly the fact that he is African-American, the fact that he was the leader of this country for eight years and his ability to be the Jackie Robinson of that situation. Uh, And he he couldn't be as good as everybody else. He had to be better. He had to control himself and his emotions. He showed humility, humbleness, grace intelligence and in my opinion 
he was inclusive. And what we talked about at the beginning, America is a melting pot for everybody to thrive and succeed, regardless of any circumstances on the periphery. Uh, and I just admire the way that he handled himself. Uh, it kind of reminded me of my grandfather, who we used to call the honorable one. And he was just, I thought he was an honorable, classy, decent man. And I felt safe when he was in charge. And he's one of the most unique and compelling people of my lifetime so far. He is definitely the first, you know, I'm, I'm 35. So I've been voting going back to, I guess I voted for John Kerry when he lost. If you're going back to 2000, I guess that's 2004. Sure. Yeah. He's the first politician, you know, from my generation that made me be like, oh, 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 this is what a politician can look like. It's not just some old dude or some like angry guy. It's it's like this cool, interesting, aspirational guy who has a a message that you can get behind. It's understandable that people and he has a voice that resonates. And it was just uh, I mean, it was just. He was really inspiring in a way that politicians don't inspire me normally. I'm not, I don't think it's always safe to be like, oh, I'm, I, I'll do anything for this politician. That's not how this is supposed to work necessarily. No. Yeah. You know how the older you get, you get a little bit, uh, I don't know if salty is the right word, a little bit more set in your ways. Yeah. And uh, you kind of look at the world through a, a different prism than when you were younger. Yeah. And it's, it's basically what I'm trying to say in layman's terms is you see through people's bullshit. Yes. And Barack had an ability, even as, as I've gotten older and a little bit more jaded and set in my ways, to truly inspire me as a human to want to be better and to still be hungry and, and believe in the American dream and believe in progress and instead of continuing to fall backwards continuing to use divisiveness and hate and exclusion as opposed to inclusion. And to me, that was, it was, you ever heard that saying how it's, it's, you never necessarily remember what somebody says to you, but you always remember the feeling that you had when you were around them and it never escapes you. That's how I felt when, he, when he was the president. That's how I feel when I look, I look at him. I, I think about him. I hear his words. I'm inspired. And that's a crazy feeling because it's tangible. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, within you. And, and that's, that's my reasoning. I'll leave it at that. No, I thought that, that's, a, that's a stunning answer. I'm so, I loved every second of that. That was beautiful, Ray. I appreciate every second of that. That was wonderful. Uh, right give, on, I, I'll give you one light one on the way out before I let you go. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you and your family are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, television show... Um, let me see. Unfortunately, the, uh, my daughter and Mrs. have The Bachelor right now. Oh, I am not. I am not watching that. Um, <laughs> it's not in the background. Uh, I actually just got a copy of Joe Biden's book and Barack Obama's new book nice. um, for Christmas, and that's what I've cracked into recently. So it's kind of fitting that you asked. You know, if you like politics, I actually just got. This is going to sound weird. I just got Dan Rather's book. Yeah, I love him. It's really good, actually. It's, yeah, it's called yeah. What Unites Us. And if, you, if you're if you looking for something to feel a little better about the world at large, I thought this was a great read. So that's throw that one on your list if you're looking for a new political book somewhere. So Absolutely. absolutely. I'm, I'm a big fan of Dan Rather. He's, uh, he's thoughtful. Another, another uh, gentleman, fine gentleman that we should all look to him as a leader. You got to respect your elders, man. They know what happened. Talking about, talking about history repeating so, that itself, they, they've lived it. And so they're trying to warn us. 
Rain, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I know you got work to get back to, but brother, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I promise it will not be five years before we get you on next time. I, I'm sorry this long. Well, Sam, no need to apologize. I'll tell you this. Uh, here's the deal, man. We've known each other a long time now. Um, and anytime you reach out to me, I'm gladly going to answer the call and take some time for you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you so much. Be safe out there. Take care. And uh, when I let go of this thing, it's just going to end the interview, unfortunately. Uh, I'll text Was you. I'll DM you as well because I got to send you some messages. Perfect. Let me just say this before you go. This is the last thing that your, oh, take your time. the, the Uticast, Uticast viewers or listeners will see because I got your back. Are you ready for this? Yeah, absolutely. Go Bills. Great, man, everybody. Thank you so much, brother. We love you. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers, man. Thanks, Andrew. Legend Killer, Rainzilla, the Mike Thriller. I'm so happy to have him on here mm -hmm. talking Buffalo Bills. Um, I'll try not to be as cynical as uh, going forward about the Bills and their chances. I'll try my best. Mm. It's still going to stay there. I can't help. That's. I think that's smart. That's smart. To be delusional and act wild would be... I just feel like I've been let down by the Bills before. And this is as far as they've ever taken us. Mm. Right? As far as they've taken me, at least, since I, since, you know, I was a kid. Or didn't really watch the first Super Bowl since I actually yeah. cared, right? Um, so yeah, my first impulse is for them to fall on their face, right? Yeah. My first, my first impulse is this game. They are playing yeah. the Super Bowl champions. They are playing pretty widely regarded as the best team, like head and shoulders in the league. Yeah, in the AFC yeah. Championship. Yeah. So it's so, a tall order, but you know, it's all about one game. The heroes, heroes. To become a hero, you must have dragons to slay. That's true. So I mean, best of luck to to Josh Allen. Pride of the pride of the throughway. Buffalo arm. Bills. Big arm. Huge. Massive. <laughs> uh, on this day, history lessons. On this day, eighteen oh three. History lessons. History lessons. On this day, 1803, uh, President Jefferson required uh, requests funding for the Lewis and Clark expedition. Uh, on January 18th, he officially asked for the whopping total of $2,500 in funding from Congress. Though some sources indicate the uh, expedition ultimately cost somewhere closer to $50,000. I'm not doing the conversion. You guys can do it yourself. Uh, Meriwether Lewis was joined by William Clark and 50 others on the journey, including an enslaved African-American and a female Native American guide named Sacagawea. Uh, the team, which Jefferson called the Corps of Discovery. Good name or bad name? Corps of Discovery. Uh, For 1803, it's not bad. Yeah, back then. Yeah. Uh, first surveyed the territory that comprised the Louisiana Purchase, which went as far north as present-day North Dakota, as far south as the Gulf of Mexico, and stopping at the eastern border of the Spanish territory in present-day Texas. Uh, the team then crossed the Rockies and navigated River Roots to the Pacific coast of present-day Oregon. Upon their return, the duo's report of the exotic and awe-inspiring new lands they had encountered sparked a new wave of westward expansion. Mm. Though he didn't initially disclose his intentions to Congress, Jefferson planned to send Meriwether Lewis, his private secretary at the time, on a reconnaissance mission that far exceeded the boundaries of the Louisiana Purchase to determine how far west the U.S. might extend commerce in the North American fur trade and assess the viability of future territorial expansion into the west. 
in misleading Congress, Jefferson had temporarily uh, stifled his distaste for any abuse of executive privilege to achieve, uh, to achieve a strategic goal. Jefferson was a product of the Enlightenment and was a man with strong political principles, but he was also no f he was also fascinated by what the expedition might yield in terms of scientific discovery and overall general adventure, the spirit of American frontiersmanship, I guess. Uh, Jefferson sought to claim more territory for the U.S., eliminate foreign competition, and convert the, the Indian nations to Christianity, which is what they did. Uh, viewing westward expansion as a way for the nation to maintain its agrarian values and to ward off the same political perils that plagued what he saw in an increasingly overcrowded Europe. Terrified of Europe. Hated mm. Europe. Mm. Um, man, just, I, I, I always go back to, like, you know, the idea, they always talk about the Sopranos, right? It's like the first thing they say, everything was already built when we got here, right? There is something romantic about the idea of, like, here's just some wilderness. Yeah. Not a clue what's out here. You want to figure it out? You want to yeah, be certainly. the guy? I don't know if I'm the guy. I'm, mm. <laughs> I'm certainly not the Maybe guy. You have, have to get started earlier. Yeah, a little late. Uh, I think my thoughts on the the... Lewis and Clark. Uh, I've got two things that immediately come to mind. Yep. First thing is obviously the movie Almost Heroes. Uh -huh. Incredible film. Um, everybody Classic. should watch it. Classic. And also, uh, to go with the history lessons, your week's history homework, uh, I encourage everybody to find out why France was so in a hurry to get the hell off this continent um, at the time and why they were so happy to sell away all this territory for cheap. And I will give you a hint in your research. It starts with the island of Haiti. So, happy mm -hmm. Googling. If you learn mm -hmm. anything, come back on the show. And Talk to my boy. Just turn in your heads. We're, we're starting to sign in papers. <laughs> Since they won't let you teach because of the pandemic, <laughs> we'll just start giving papers. Uh, well, here's some more history for you. Here's another paper to do. On this day, 1840, Charles Wilkes claims a portion of Antarctica for the United States. During an exploring expedition, Captain Charles Wilkes cites the coast of eastern Antarctica and claims it for the United States. I love that idea, by the way. Just like, no, mine. Ours. ours <laughs> I, right I here. saw it. It's ours right here. <laughs> There's America. Uh, Wilkes Group had set out in 1838, sailing around South America to the South Pacific and then to Antarctica, where they explored a 1,500-mile stretch of the eastern uh, Antarctic coast, which later became known as Wilkesland. In 1842, the expedition returned to New York, having circumnavigated the globe. Uh, Antarctica was discovered by European and American explorers in the early part of the 19th century, and in February 1821, the first landing on the continent was made by American John Davis at Hughes Bay on the Antarctic Peninsula. During the next century, many nations, including the United States, made territorial claims to uh, portions of the almost uninhabitable continent. However, during the 1930s, conflicting claims led to international rivalry in the U.S., which led the world in the establishment of scientific bases and acted an official policy of making no territorial claims while recognizing no other nation's claims. So no one can claim it. Doesn't belong to anybody. 1950, the Arctic Treaty made Antarctica an international zone, set guidelines for specific cooperation, and prohibited military operations, nuclear explosions, and the disposable, disposal of radioactive waste on the continent. So weird that it's kind of how things work, though, right? Like, I found it, so it's mine, mm -hmm. right? I also read, I don't know if this is like Antarctica or the Arctic Circle, and I'd have to look back, but because of global warming, yeah. and a lot of these, you know, this... This land that was once covered in ice is now receding. There's like more land now. <laughs> There's more extra land that people want. Yeah. So there's like another run to like yeah. claim this land for countries. Arctic Circle stuff. Yeah. yeah. And certainly in Antarctica as well. You know, some seeing some of the mountains and stuff like that. What are you going to Antarctica for? Nothing. Research. You don't go vacationing anywhere in Antarctica, do you? Oh no, you no you you can't really just like go to Antarctica as a That's civilian. What, yeah. Like you theoretically, I mean, if you had you know if you had like wild you know 
multi 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 like jay-z could probably go to antarctica if he really wanted to he's got enough money to like grease the wheels to make that happen there's like nothing a lot of ice there's nothing for you like you've got to go stay in like the tents and research bases and stuff like that for sure uh yeah antarctica so there you go Mm -hmm. Mm. it's pretty tough that's the thing you discovered i discovered this big ice rock it's mine (laughs) you didn't just go give me the bahamas i'd rather take a smaller island in a nicer climate right Mm. On this day, 1919, uh, the post-World War I peace conferences begin in Paris as some of the most powerful people in the world meet to to begin the long, complicated negotiations that would officially mark the end of the First World War, unless you believe that the First World War and the Second World War are all one big, long thing, and then there's just a little break in the middle. Well, it's in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. The toothless Treaty of Versailles is a lot of the reason that Hitler was able to rise to power. That is correct. Leaders, yeah, leaders of the victorious allied powers, France, Great Britain, the United States, and Italy would make... Uh, so weird, uh, would make most of the critical decisions in Paris over the next six months. For most of the conference, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson struggled to support his idea of, quote, peace without victory and make sure that Germany, the leader of the central powers and the major loser of the war, was not treated too harshly. This was all what Wilson cared about. Don't treat these guys too harshly. It's a bad idea. On the other hand, Prime Ministers Georges Clemenceau of France and David Lloyd George of Britain argued that, no, Brit, you got to get Germany. They got to get it. You got to ensure the weakness was the only way to justify the immense cost of the war. It's Germany's fault, says everybody else. In the end, Wilson compromised on his treatment of Germany in order to push through the creation of his pet project, the international peacekeeping organization called the League of Nations, which, by the way, Americans didn't want anything to do with. So he mm-hmm. tried to get this going, and America's like, nah, we're good. We don't want, any, we don't want anything to do with anybody, mm-hmm. so piss off. Uh... Treaty of Versailles was signed on June 28, 1919, five years to the day after a Serbian nationalist bullet ended the life of Archduke Franz Ferdinand and sparked the beginning of World War I. In the decades that come, anger and resentment from the treaty and its authors festered in Germany. Extremists like Adolf Hitler's National Socialist Party capitalized on these emotions to gain power, a process that led almost directly to the exact thing that Woodrow Wilson and other negotiators in Paris had wanted to prevent, a second equally devastating uh, global war. Mm. Uh, allegedly. I, allegedly. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think what's funny, too, is, uh, you know, I think a lot of times when you're teaching, like, global history, which I've done in the past, mm. it's hard, you don't want to talk about America because it, it gets, it makes the kids confused when you start talking about American history, right? Yeah. But when you put in context the Great Depression in America and how the Great Depression directly affected the Weimar Republic, it does all sort of turn into like one big giant moving cog, which is interesting to me, right? Well, and I think I think that's kind of the way it has to be because we have a tendency when you know with history education where okay, well this year you'll learn world history and this year you'll learn U.S. history. I don't understand why there has to be a concentrated focus on one's country of origin and where you live. Mm-hmm. But it does, you know, in the minds of probably some students, put up this false wall where it's like, oh, it's us and then, you know, my mans and them. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And sort of splits that off. But, yeah, you can't talk about, you know, ever since we've had enough ships to get from country to country and start making, you know, trades and spending money with different countries, you can't talk about the history and the motions of one country without how it affects all the other ones, Mm -hmm. you know, in relation to it. Uh, all right, let's get to the light stuff. You ready? On uh, this day, 1985, the Coen brothers released their debut film, Blood Simple. You ever seen this movie? Uh, no. So Blood Simple is the movie that everybody in New York who I was like friends with, who was an actor or a director, mm-hmm. would be like, no, dude, this is the real best Coen brothers movie. You haven't seen Blood Simple, bro? You haven't seen Blood Simple? They don't say bro, because no one who watches Blood Simple or loves Ethan uh, Coen Brothers movies is the word bro. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's like a... I don't think there's a huge overlap for people who love Coen Brothers movies and use the word bro regularly. I think you'd have to ask Dano. 
Daniel's a, in, the, in the center of that Venn diagram, me and him. Uh, the offspring of two university professors, Joel and Ethan Cohen, were 29 and 26 years old, respectively, when they made this movie. They wrote the screenplay together. At the time, you were not allowed to have two directors, so Joel was given the director credit while Ethan was served as the producer. That was something about Actors Guild rules at the time. Mm. Uh this movie uh, won the Grand Jury Prize at the Sundance Film Festival, uh, building on the buzz of that award. Entertainment media went crazy over the two young brothers, comparing their debuts with the work of such luminaries as Orson Welles, Alfred Hitchcock, and Sergio Leone. That's not kind of unfair. Be like, oh, this is your first movie? Your guys are Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, you guys are Hitchcock. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm not trying to ever have anybody be like, oh, great podcast. You got, you're, you're just like Mark Maron. It's like, no, I'm not that guy. Mm. Don't do that after one episode. That's not nice to do to somebody. You're putting a lot of pressure on people. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean that's you know you're you're Hitchcock. Congratulations! Now you better live up to this. You better. We're basically it's like setting somebody up to fail. You know what I mean? But. That being said, I would argue that they definitely did. Uh, Coen Brothers returned to directing with the outlandish comedy *Raising Arizona* in 1987, which has a lighter tone and appealed to a much more mass audience. Uh, Barton Fink in '91 and Hudsucker Proxy '94 raised their profiles, and then the success of *Fargo* in 1996 earned them their first Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, through movies like The Cult Hit, Big Lebowski, and Oh Brother Where Art Thou, uh, kept earning praise from critics and devoted fans. Uh, their next several films, though, were kind of busts. The Man Who Wasn't There, 2001, Intolerable Cruelty, 2003, and The Lady Killers in 2004, which is a rare Tom Hanks miss, mm. as well as a Coen Brothers miss. Mm. Who, who would have thought? Uh, in 2007, however, they were... sort of set off a period of Tom Hanks misses. Yes, it did. It did. Uh, Coen's returned with their most successfully, critically acclaimed film yet, in 2007 with No Country for Old Men, which is one of my favorite films. I like always forget movie. that that's a Coen Brothers God, movie. so good. I always forget that that's them, I think only because they've usually got, like, so much, like, dark comedy. Yeah. And, like, some, like, funny kind mm-hmm. of stuff, you know what I mean? Even in their more serious movies. No Country's occasionally funny. I mean, it's, <laughs> no, 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 it's not. No Country it's for like... Old Men has things that we laugh at because, like, we get a kick out of Javier Bardem yeah, yeah, being a lunatic. Good. That's not, like, jokes written into the movie. That's, like, correct, correct. Fi- us finding humor in it. Uh, no Country, uh, eight Academy Award nominations, won four Oscars, one for Javier Bardem, and then one for Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, mm-hmm. and Best Picture. Uh, their later films include uh, Burn After Reading, which you love, 2008. I love, did you ever see that? No. It's one you, of would like, you would like Burn After Reading, because you like everybody who's in it so much. I do. Uh, Serious Man in 2009, never saw it, but I hear people talk about it all the time. Yeah. Uh, True Grit, 2010, my first date in New York I ever went to. I took a girl to see True Grit. Mm. Uh, great movie. Great yeah. date. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis, 2013, which another Ooh, one I that you, I... I know you ride. I love that movie. I know you ride for Lewin Davis. Uh, Hail Caesar, 2016, didn't see it. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. People didn't like it. So I think I think it was polarizing. I think some people thought it was excellent, and I think yeah. other people were like, this is abject garbage. Uh, he has. They have a movie coming out soon on 824 called The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is based on the Macbeth William Shakespeare. I don't know what they're doing here. So, who... I, I, it's... I don't know. It seems yeah, like... Looks like it looks like they're doing Macbeth full on. Yeah, just full on Macbeth, so good for them. Hey. Uh, all right, so there you go, and let's... Oh, starring Denzel Washington? Oh, really? Yeah, huh. Francis McDormand, Brendan Gleeson. Well, Francis McDormand is married to one of them. Wow, they put Sean Patrick Thomas in a movie. I can't believe it. No, he's back. Is he? He's back. What a world. Uh, all right, so let me... <laughs> Let's get to the, the Shepherds we shall be. All right, so <laughs> I, I held off on this one when we were talking about the presidential playlist earlier because mm-hmm. we're going to come back to it. In this day, 1993, Fleetwood Mac, who had faced much intra-brand squabbling since their 1970s heyday when they released their biggest album of all time, Rumors, and decades of defining hits like Landslide, Rhiannon, 
say you love me, go your own way, and of course, don't stop. Uh, became the candidate uh, Bill Clinton's unofficial theme song duet during his 1992 presidency. If you watched Clinton or Hillary Clinton showing up at anything in 1992-93, they were playing this song. Yeah. Don't Stop became the Clinton song. This was for sure the moment I became aware of Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. in my life. In mm-hmm. 92, Don't Stop, Thinking About Tomorrow, they got back together. My dad was really into it. They had like the concerts on VH1 mm-hmm. and everything. And that song specifically was the song that pulled that, like intro- really introduced me to Fleetwood Mac as a child. So as they were doing the evening of the inaugural ball, uh, the Clinton transition team sprung into action and accomplished a political feat that certainly seemed to bode well for the new president's ambitions. Uh, it had been more than five years since Lindsey Buckingham, Fleet, uh, Mick Fleetwood, Christy McVeigh, and uh, Stevie Nicks had shared a stage, but in true coup of diplomacy, uh, the Clinton team convinced the entire Rumors-era lineup of Fleetwood Mac to reunite for a truly historic live performance of mm. Don't Stop on this day. So... Another interesting story that ties into something that happened this week, uh, and this goes to Kamala, husband, uh, Kamala Harris's husband, Doug Emhoff, who we talked about that list, the playlist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doug Emhoff's official theme song is You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. Doug knows. That's the song. Work. Okay, go ahead. So after 22 years, the New Radicals are reuniting to perform at no. the Biden inauguration event so they can perform to get what you give uh, for Kamala Harris's husband. Uh, Amazing. Man. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. I can't believe it. Um, oh, man. Th- it, it does. Okay, so it bears pointing out that New Radicals was just the one guy. That guy, Greg, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. wrote and recorded everything and hired a band. So he's just playing out again. But it's interesting because we're getting to the age now. And as we get older, this will keep happening where the politicians grew up listening to the same stuff we did because we're getting closer in age. You know what I mean? Like this dude, you know, first gentleman Doug was like, you know, probably a little bit older than college age at this time. You know what I mean? Or whatever (laughs) it was. I got to say, I think there is there is huge, huge potential for comedy and meme ability in First Gentleman Doug. Oh, yeah. This is like, this guy is set to be a star, I think. First uh, Gentleman Doug. You know who's really concerned now about this new, this, new, this new group of politicians coming into office? The Whites? No. Well, them too. Uh, Marilyn Beck and Hanson. <laughs> Marilyn and... Uh, oh, uh, see what I'm oh. doing? Come on. Yeah. I need that. All right. I need the alarm. All right. Anyhow. Uh, so, yeah. So, it got me thinking. Let's say you were getting inaugurated, Kevin. Which bands would you like to reunite for your inauguration if you had a choice? What's oh, like some reunite? band? Reunite? Yeah, yeah. So, it's got to be somebody who's disbanded. So, I, I came up with And three. they have to be alive. They have to be alive. Because okay. I, I, I want to say Steely Dan, but my dude, uh, Walter Becker's dead. Yeah, so, true. you know, it's a shame. Uh, I came up with three. That I can hit you with off the top of my head. Uh-huh. Uh, I know I didn't give you any time on this, so I figured I'd hit you with a couple of my choices. Mm. Uh, my hipster punk rocker pick would be Hot Water Music. Oh, uh, love Hot Water Music. One of my favorite, like uh, pop punk, punk, whatever sure. you want to call it, bands. Uh, I think they broke. I think they have reunited, honestly, uh, and I just didn't get back on board for it. But I'd like them to come back and play like all hands down for me. I see. Uh, ben Folds Five. Ooh. Who did reunite once mm-hmm. at Bonnaroo, and I went to Bonnaroo to see it, and it was great. And I would have them come back. That would be very on brand for like if it was, especially if it was politics. It's like not um, they're not offensive in any particular way. Ben Folds Five, sure. that I can think of. And then last but not least, the old for the old heads out there would be the Talking Heads. I think most of these folks are still alive. Is yeah. Bernie, Bernie Worrell still alive? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Talking head, talking heads felt like the obvious pick for me too. Because I'm trying yeah, to think of people yeah. who have like or who are legendarily haven't been together for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Won't, like play won't do anything. Um, so that seems like the easy pick. I mean, 
the the kid in me would would love to just get Mark and Tom back together. Mark and Tom, I thought just, about that too. Get it for the kids. Just give me one more. Too. Um, yeah, I don't know about bands I would want to reunite. I feel like there's an obvious one I'm not thinking of, but like a mm-hmm. lot of the bands that like where they don't talk to each other ever again, like Slash and Axl Rose won't ever talk to each other not again. Interested. Good, good, yeah, fine. I got here. Fine. Uh, uh, so stuff like that, yeah, I care less about. But I can't think of a band where there's really like. Well, I'm trying to think of a band that's had that I loved that's even had a breakup. Like LCD Sound System retired and then got back together. Yeah. They're not. That's not really breaking up, and they're already back together, right? Mm. So I, I really can't think of somebody. Boy, in this modern era, it seems a little bit dramatic to be like our band is breaking up. It's like stop. No, you well, paid no, so you much money. You paid so much money to play guitars. Like just don't. Just put say rec- you're. Don't put out a record for a while. Take yeah. a hiatus. Say you're on hiatus. There's no reason to be like we're done, bro. That's all you have to uh, do. You're never done. <laughs> Also this week, uh, shout out to my buddy Zach Wilson, who's been in the pod before. He's the master of card breaks, and a lot of people follow him doing his baseball card, uh, football card thing on yeah, yeah. Instagram or wherever he does it. Uh, earlier this week, a Mickey Mantle baseball card uh, just set a new record. On Thursday, the PWCC Marketplace announced that a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle card was sold for a staggering $5.2 million, breaking a five-month-old record, which is hilarious, for the highest-selling sports card of all time. Uh, yeah, the Topps Mini Mantle, Mickey Mantle is the holy grail of sports cards, said actor Rob Goo. Grew? Uh, who acquired the streetwear uh, brand Dope and purchased the 1950s. He, he spent $5 million on this? Why? So, okay, here's my here's where I lose it, right? It's like art, right? Art has only the value, the intrinsic value that people give it, mm-hmm. right? It's like an episode of Always Sunny, they talk about this, right? Who's decided that this card was worth $5 million? And what do you do once you have it? Do you just have it? Is that it? Is it just that it's the only one? Is that the gimmick? I don't understand why you would want it. Because uh, you're not a collector. People, no, I'm not. I that's the thing. Like People who collect this stuff, that's the hobby. $5 is... million dollars to finish a collection? Are you going to sell it again? Is that the plan to sell it? The, somebody who's spending $5 million on something like that isn't the type of person who's got to worry as much about the money. I just wonder how something goes from a essentially what is a piece of paper with like uh, laminate on it or whatever you uh-huh. would call it. To being worth five million, like I don't understand how it works with art either. Like someone paints a painting. Well, art art is is widely known as like there's a lot of stuff in the art world that's like sketchy money laundering, yeah, yeah, inflated yeah, yeah. values, and ways to like park money for folks. Um, with cards, it's simply about supply and demand. People love, especially mm. collectors, and you notice like a lot of people become collectors. Um, but collectors love to to be able mm. to. You know, I don't want to put such a pejorative on it, but like lord over folks and be like, yes. "I have this, and nobody else has this. You can't get this. I'm mm. the only one that has this." And when it's a 1952 Mickey Mantle mm. baseball card, the the reality of the situation is they can't make any more of the authentic ones that have survived. You know, 50, 60, 70 years, whatever it is. So I think that's mm. just it's supply and demand, and I don't get it because I'm not one of those people. No, me neither. But that being said, I could see if I had tons of money and I was super duper rich paying, you know, and I didn't have to worry about money. I'm paying a lot of money for like a guitar sure, or a sure. bait. You know what I mean? If somebody's like, oh, this is. If you've got, if you have, if you've <laughs> I, got it like that and that's like, what you collect. I don't know, man. I struggle with it. Uh, yeah. A little, uh, little rest in peace this week. Uh, Siegfried Fischbacher. I named anything for you? Fischbacher? Siegfried. Yeah, Siegfried. Siegfried and Roy passed away this week. He was 81 years old, passed away from pancreatic cancer. Uh, I don't have any hot takes on Siegfried and Roy, but, I, you know, Siegfried and Roy, like, 
the magicians that you heard about but never saw? Like, you're like, who's a magician? Siegfried and Roy? Okay, sure. The saw, them guys, a lot. Right? saw them a lot when we were young. They were on TV all the time yeah. when we were kids. Like, they would always be on, like, the late-night magic specials that were, that were on TV back then. I found a list that they put up of the top ten most famous magicians of all time. Mm. And I wanted to run through it real quick because I'm not going to do oh, breakdown. Never. No, I'm into it. Uh, number one is David Copperfield. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the first guy you think of, I suppose. Uh, how about Doug Henning? If you know Doug Henning, he's a magician from the 70s. What? He's in the Muppet Show or something. I, I, I would have to be a certain age, I guess. Siegfried and Roy feels like the Vegas end of magic, right? Like, that's what I think of when I think of Siegfried and Roy. Like, some big, giant Vegas stage show. Copperfield, with, like, too. Yeah, Copperfield. Copperfield used to do that. You ever heard of Lance Burton? Uh, yes. I don't know who this guy is. I got yeah, I've heard the name. It. Ricky Jay, who I actually do like. Ricky Jay is also an actor. Look up Ricky You don't. You may not know who Ricky Jay is, but look him up. And yeah. you'll know him from stuff. You're like, oh, that guy. He's also a magician. Mark Wilson, apparently, was an early era. I don't know this guy. I've never heard of him. Huh. Penn and Teller is probably the magician I would prefer to watch. Seems a little the low. Most. Yeah, because they do, like, stand-up comedy with their thing and make it a whole... I appreciate that these guys, like, teach you about magic while still doing magic and impressing you. That's is cool. that weird? You know what I'm talking about? No, no, I'm with that. Uh, Harry Anderson, who is not really a magician, sort of like a TV guy. I remember mm. him from... He's in the first It movie. He plays Richie Tozer. And he's also on Cheers a lot. I didn't know he was a magician. Number nine, Jeff McBride. Never heard of him. Number ten, Cyril Takayama. Never heard of him. I bet you these people are all on, like, America's Got Talent or so, something. It, so it seems the top, maybe, okay, top ten. I guess it's not most famous, so it must just be who puts on the best shows. And say It seems a little bit disingenuous to not say David Blaine, because everybody knows Harry who Houdini, that is. Chris Angel. Well, it said of, it said of our time. Of our so time, Houdini yeah. doesn't count. And Chris Angel, like, notorious fraud and, like, awful guy. And yeah. Like, defrauds he, people. His show is terrible. He's I, terrible. I only know of him from, like, Mind Freak. It's all yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. understand anything. There's, there's a reason you don't see yeah. him anymore. I, a good friend of ours, who are uh, our, our Las Vegas correspondent to the show, who spent a lot of time out in Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, and has been to lots of shows and spent a lot of money on shows like that, says that Chris Angel is the yeah. worst show he's ever seen. Really? He does nothing but just, huh. like, kind of run around and yell and nothing. He's like, it's the only time I've ever tried to get my money back leave a performance mm. early and try to get my money back at the box office and that's saying something for for that correspondent uh all right let's uh let's do one last thing and then we'll do some international news because I, I have some other stuff but we'll save mm. it for next week uh so this is a super bowl thing it was announced earlier this week that both pepsi cola uh, pepsi and coca-cola have decided not to air ads during cbs's broadcast of the super bowl in november uh in a statement last week coca-cola said it was a difficult choice and that it would make sense to be, quote, investing in the right resources during these unprecedented times, unquote. Coke spent $10 million on ads during last year's game and recently announced it would be laying off 2,200 employees because of various pandemic struggles. Mm. So it's probably bad optics to throw money at this, right? You know, whatever. Certainly. Pepsi, however, Pepsi said they would also not air any ads during the game. Except the halftime Super Bowl show itself is sponsored by Pepsi. Fun Pepsi. I'm like, well, that's out of our hands. <laughs> <laughs> and not only is Pepsi putting its name on the halftime show, it's also still advertising for Frito-Lays and Mountain Dew. So they say they're not advertising for Pepsi. Well, let me ask you a question. Did Pepsi lay off 10,000 people? They did not. Who knows? Then then double. <laughs> if I'm Pepsi, I'm like, okay, I'll hire those 10,000 people and we're spending $20 million. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and right. our CEO's playing the halftime show. Uh, all right, let's do some uh, international news here. Uh, so let's start with Russia. We're going to do some Russian news. Mm. Uh, and this one is really just for me. Oh, come on. Where'd it go? I hate when this happens. 
It's the joys of doing live internet. All right, here we go. We're back. Uh, the Russian Supreme Court uh, earlier this week ruled that attending a soccer match is a good reason to miss work. That's right. <laughs> Russian Supreme Court. <laughs> According to the court's decision, if the employee warns the manager in advance and agrees to take an unpaid day off, it should not count as a missed day of work. Kevin, what are your thoughts on taking an unpaid day of work to go watch a soccer game and the courts are like, yep, I'm here for it. Uh, I mean, it's, Listen, at the end of the day, I think that workplaces could be a little more flexible with people. <laughs> yeah. And with something like this, where it means so much to the people, if it keeps up the morale and it's just a day, good for them. Good for them. You know what I mean? I think I think bosses should be a little more humanizing with their employees. So, yeah, I don't know. So there you go. Russian Supreme Court. However, also in Russia, investigations are going on board after a quote-unquote Nazi monkey mm. appeared in a Russian circus. The mm. show also featured goats wrapped in Nazi flags with swastikas. According to the Russian news website, Znak. That's mm. the real name of it. Yep, super, super chill and casual. Uh, it was commissioned by the Russian Orthodox Church, which said the show symbolized the, quote, spurning of Nazism. So I think they're arguing that this is supposed to be like a... Uh, no, you don't like... I, here, we, don't, we already spurned. <laughs> we did we already spurn. Don't yeah. be like, oh, I brought them back so we could spurn them. We already spurned them. Mm. The spurning is done. Yeah. Leave them in the dustbin of history. And let's go to England. I'm just going to hit you with this headline. British woman burns her mouth, cracks teeth after mistaking popper fireworks for candy. You know those fireworks you throw in the ground and they snap? Mm. She put them in her mouth and it blew her teeth off. Oh, oh my God. Jesus. The worst. Terrible. Yeah, those fun snap things. So don't keep them to your kids. Don't let them eat uh, them. Oh, my God. Oh, could you imagine the oh, trauma? Worst. Terrible. Uh, and then last but not least, in some sad news, the London Zoo refused to grant comedian Ricky Gervais his dying wish. What was his dying wish? He wanted to be eaten by wolves. That's right. Uh, Ricky Gervais wished that after he died, he could be eaten by wolves. However, the zoo decided that it was too grisly. For the lion's taste. So what are your thoughts about Is he dying? No. I think, oh. I think he just... I think he just said, like, that's the way to go. Like, throw me into the thing with the lions. Yeah. yeah. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, no, listen. Don't when I, don't spend all this money on me. I don't mean the garbage. I'm no. bad. I don't care. Yeah, like, that doesn't matter to me at all. Yeah, feed to the lions. That's hilarious. Yeah, good for him. All right, let's do... Uh, if he's really about that action, then I go die in the Serengeti. <laughs> They'll find uh, you. Let's, uh... I'm going to do two mailbag questions here real quick. Okay? I love it. Number one, this one's more specifically for you, I think. Bro. What's the best way to end a song? Fade out? Sudden stop? Thrashing? How is the, what's the best way to end a song? Um, I, it's funny because I got into, not an argument, but a debate only a few weeks ago um, about, I think the fade out is lazy. cheap, cheating, lazy. and lazy. Mm -hmm. I think it's garbage. It's a relic left over from an earlier time. Um, finish your song. Uh, they're just fading it down. If you're going to fade down, like, say you fade down all the guitars and drums and you keep just a vocal line going and you keep something up and you fade but end with something, but the whole track just fading out, I think is garbage. Uh, a classic Famalaro maneuver in this is to just remove instruments one by one. So if you have, like, a lead guitar line, the end of the song will just be that lead guitar line again oh. after everything is faded out. You know what I'm the talking only, about? The only in dreams. The, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, exactly, right? I so. like a rest and then a stop. Rest like and then a stop. When you're doing it live, like a mm. pause, mm. Like yeah. One yep. second. You know yep. what I mean. Yep. A rest and then a pause, but any kind of definitive end. I think. It, I think it, uh, the type of song matters too. You know what I mean. Like an energetic, upbeat, faster paced song will end differently in a more comfortable way than like a slower. We, you know what I mean. Like really mellow. We definitely have a fade out song on record. You and me. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, we got, we in the pond. I got out, overruled I on so much. 
All right. So much stuff out there. And this one is primarily for me. So good, good question. Uh, this one, this is from a Cleveland Browns fan, okay? Who just lost, so sorry to the Cleveland Browns. Mm. Bit of a quandary here as a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. Am I allowed at some point to dip my toes into the murky waters of obnoxious fandom? My jerk reaction is to say, no, string some championships together before you go full Ohio State Buckeyes. But this may be as close to the dance as I ever get as a Browns fan. I think a lot of Bills fans are going through this right now. Like how, I know I am, right? I don't want to dip my toes into like, oh, the Bills, they're coming for this team. Mm. It's amazing because I need to see more. Right? Like, I, I'm i not going to sit here and say you should be, you know, Bills fans are already kind of obnoxious. Mm. We got a Bills, we throw people through tables. You guys are amazing. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, I don't think, until the Bills, the Bills have lost four Super Bowls already. So, if we go in and lose another one, I don't think the narrative changes. They need to actually, the Bills, unlike the Browns, do actually need to win a Super Bowl if they think that they're, you know, going to, that the crowd's going to get hot for them. Aren't the Browns in the same boat? I think the Browns have never even been to the Super Bowl. I think the Browns got to the Super Bowl and lost. The fans would be happy. If they had won that game yesterday, they'd be ecstatic. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, I think Bills fans need the validation, not of getting to the Super Bowl, but actually ending the curse of winning it. That's part of the Bills narrative. They lose in the Super Bowl, right? If the Bills win this game and then go to the Super Bowl and lose to the Packers, it's the, another extension of Bills can't win the Super Bowl narrative. Five Super Bowls they've been to, they've lost all of them. You know what mm. I mean? I think for a Bills fan specifically, you got to kind of just roll with it until they get the title. There's no reason to dip into, like, obnoxious fandom yet. Mm. Get a few weeks after they win the title, though, for sure. Counterpoint. Uh, okay. okay. Machine gun everybody in your life with your fandom. I love it. And if it doesn't go well, backpedal, <laughs> switch the narrative, because sports isn't to be taken that seriously. No, it's it's true. a safe place for you to, like, talk wild trash and have fun and, like, act crazy with, like, no consequences. <laughs> so, yeah, if I'm a Bills fan out there, let everybody know the Bills are coming for everybody. Then if they lose, be like, we're back next year. Josh Allen, you don't want us. League didn't want us to win. Yeah, it's fun to enjoy your team. Enjoy them while they're good. Like, don't let your, don't stop yourself from being happy, being like, well, they got to be a little bit better. This is amazing. Enjoy it, because you never know if they're going to be back. So don't don't defer this is the enjoyment. Games. This is you the same I mean? video game argument I had. I can't enjoy it. it but it, much, it really yeah. kind of is. Like, yeah. don't defer and be like, well, let's see if they clear enough benchmarks for me to be happy about these benchmarks. Man, be I'm happy, happy now. Be happy I'm happy now, but I'm also not... I don't want to be obnoxious about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Bro, I saw you on Twitter. I saw you on Twitter. I was, you pretty, were out there. I was pretty harsh on the Bills, though. A lot of my tweets well, were like... Well, that's true, too. I'm like, I'm busting the Bills balls more than anybody else. The brand is strong. The brand is strong. <laughs> uh, so let's get to this week's Spotify list, which ties directly into this. Mm. Kev, when the Lakers won the title... Yes. Uh, you put on a bunch of rap tracks. Hip-hop tracks. Not all rap tracks. All kinds of tracks. No, no. But had Lakers-centric... Like, celebration yeah, yeah. tracks. Well, we also had some Lakers-centric 70s tracks. Did we? I was, 80s yeah. because the Lakers have been good for a long time. Well, I went looking for a Bills-centric uh, song to get people hyped up for this weekend. Mm. And I found one. And boy, is it a song. It's mm. called Let's Go, a Buffalo Bills anthem by LDM Grand. Is it good? You decide. <laughs> you listen to it and decide. I thought it was good enough to include on the list. And then also this week, I'm going to need to do a little preamble on this. So I'm sorry. Uh, if you ever watch, we, I love watching professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. Uh, I watch a show on Wednesdays called AEW Dynamite, and there is a tag team on AEW Dynamite called the Jurassic Express. Okay. The Jurassic Express is Luke Perry's son, Jack Perry, who's dressed up as a jungle boy, like a Tarzan guy, and then a guy named Luchasaurus who is essentially a dinosaur. It's pretty outrageous. And in the indies, before they were on TV, they used to come out to the song Tarzan Boy by the band Baltimore. Okay? Mm-hmm. 
Now, typically when wrestlers go to work for a big company like WWE or something, uh, they take away any of the licensed music. So if you can't use someone's license on, they'll write you their own version because sure, then they sure, own yeah, it, yeah. right? All that kind of thing. So earlier this week, Tony Khan, the owner of AW, actually went out and bought the rights to the song Tarzan Boy by Baltimore Makes sense. so that they could put it on the show. I feel like whoever Baltimore is probably like, yeah, please give us some please money. Please give us We're some not money, right? money off Baltimore otherwise. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was thinking, you know, that's like, I'd like to see it because Vince McMahon as a wrestling fan would never do that. It's very rare. Like when CM Punk came out to cult personality, it was a huge deal because they never did stuff like that, mm. right? So I went in and I was like, all right, I'm going to put this song Tarzan Boy by Baltimore on this track. I'll put mm. it on the list this week. And then I realized something. This song is six and a half minutes long. Why? What? This song could be two minutes long. That's why Baltimore's what? not making any money. What happened here? Why? I, I went from one thing to another because I'm like, I don't even know if I want this on the list. It's longer than three of the other songs on here combined. Mm. I'm going to leave it on anyway. So, good job, Jurassic Express. Good job, Tony Khan. Listen to 30 seconds of this song and then skip it. I definitely, I identify with you a bit. On, um, <laughs> there's definitely times where there's songs that I will go to put on. I'm like, oh, this is like... Five and a half, six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes. You know what I mean? I never know if that's too much because sometimes that's too much for me, but other times it's not. But it just depends, I guess, how you're engaging with the playlist. But I, I for a song like this, it's too much. Mm -hmm. You can have a nine-minute song if you're Pink Floyd and you're gonna run through like nine different sections and guitar runs and loop. This is the same thing for six minutes. Sure. It's like one chant and one part you remember. It's, that, it's like plush by Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> where it's like, bro, I don't need the chorus for a fifth time. Yeah, yeah, we're I don't good. need the pre-chorus for a seventh time. Thank you. Uh, so there you go, Sir. Kevin. What are your tracks for this week? Any um, tracks you want to highlight? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go opposite to how I normally go, where I'm like making it up on the fly when mm. I'm here, and I commit to the first track that pops in my head. I'm gonna name you a bunch of tracks because mm. I got inspired by the episode here. Um, I am gonna put "Don't Stop Believing." Don't stop believing. Uh, or don't or stop. Do, yeah, don't don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Yep. Uh, pardon me, Stevie mm -hmm. Nicks. Um, I'm gonna put "Give What You Give" by New Radicals awesome. as well. You know that I ride for that song. Um, two songs that we've thought about covering in the band, and I hope that we can get going. So I'd like to play both of those. Um, I'm also going to throw on. Um, what did I have on my list? I had a song by a guy that we used to play. We played some shows with a band. He was hmm. in a band called The Morning Of way back oh, yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember their blonde guitar player looked like Shelly Duncan? Yeah. <laughs> that dude. So uh, <laughs> that guy lives wow. in L.A. and makes like the dreamy like bedroom pop style mm. stuff. Uh, he's called Moss with Moss. three S's. M-O-S-S-S. -S -S, and it's called Here If You Want. Mm. Uh, it's a pretty cool track. He's got tons of plays. getting some traction with it. And it was wild to see. I was like, oh, this guy. Tremendous Shelly Duncan reference, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Just that's for, me. That for, for me? All, the, yeah. all the true believers. Uh -huh. um, and then also inspired by you from last week I've been listening to a little more Jamiroquai this mm. week and I'm going to put in the song Seven Days in Sunny June which mm -hmm. is one of my favorites uh, one early Jamiroquai track mm. uh, so yeah I've got that and then the other two we'll see what's up alright uh, thanks again to Rainzilla the Mike Thrill I really appreciate mm -hmm. you coming in to talk about Buffalo Bills uh, hey let's go Buffalo here mm -hmm. all week David get back I don't have any other chant for that uh, alright that's it Cyanar Humanoids keep it tight Woodstock lives we are available on all platforms Facebook uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I'm forgetting other ones. Stitcher Hive. What else did I say? Uh, whatever. You know where we Anywhere are. Anywhere you get podcasts, we're there to meet you. Uh, all right. Sign our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We will see you next week. Uh, uh, 28, 24 Buffalo. Sure. Why not? Oh, oh, we're making calls. Why not? Yeah. Lakers in five. Great. Thank you.